Whose hitching post are you tied to? Let's pop a top on this. Mm. Oh, that was creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Not a sponsor. I hear they're pretty good. (laughs) They're great. Let's keep the music. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the only one. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the holy one. I feel guilty about it sometimes because, you know, it. I'm not doing what the Bible says, but then also, you know, I've been taught wrong, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, like, and that's the thing is like, I, I don't know anymore sometimes, you know, so like, I think we've gotten pretty far away from our original foundation. Right. I really do. That, you know, uh, pastors have become very good at the use of emotion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, you know, Jesus talks about emotion and they've they become very good at making you feel just like you felt, mm-hmm. and that's not biblical, brother. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. emotion. Yeah, you, you know the spirit can can, can make use you your emotions, emotions right. and yeah, that, that can happen. But it can also lead to manipulation. Yeah. When you get somebody, you know, we've talked about that before. You get somebody crying and blubbering and emotional; they're much more malleable. Yep, and yep. that can be a good thing, and it can also be a bad thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Like the, the tithe thing, like you mentioned, it's, it's technically old Testament and I don't, I don't believe that as much of the old Testament is done away with as we've been taught. But when I hear somebody spend 15 minutes, like you talked about talking about a tithe that was specifically related to the temple and then turn right around and tell you that the 10 commandments doesn't apply anymore. I'm out. I'm like, <laughs> so the parts of the, the parts of the old Testament you don't like, doesn't apply anymore, but the parts that fill your checkbook, yeah. that does apply. There's a, there's a serious problem there. There's a disconnect, in my opinion. Well, I agree with you, Carl, because I've never seen a retraction in the Bible from the Old Testament and the New Testament saying, you know, what I said before doesn't count. I mean, God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. Right. You know, I think with careful study, you can figure out what it is that Jesus specifically dealt with. And what it is that actually changed. Yeah. And you, you see that when you look at the original intent before the rebellion at Sinai. Yeah. When you look at the intent, he got us back to the intent. And then you can kind of figure out, okay, what shifted? Mm-hmm. What shifted after the people rebelled that he needed to correct? And then you can figure out what changed and what didn't. And it's really about the approach. Yeah. The, the number one issue was our ability to approach the Most High. Yes. I think the, the key to understanding what really changed was the rent fail. Very yes. symbolic. <clears throat> Very symbolic. I agree. And I and I and I have pastors that disagree with me on this as well, but I think sacrifices are still a vital part of today. Yes, we don't sacrifice animals, but it's a, it it that's the shift you're talking about. Because yes. now they're looking for the Messiah, so the blood sacrifice was a symbol of Christ coming. Now that Christ's here, the sacrifices of our heart. Yes. You know, that's why he says we bring the sacrifice of praise that it's a sweet-smelling savor. All those are verses are in the New Testament, a sweet-smelling savor to God. Mm-hmm. You know, let your, let, you know, present yourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, So then we're going to say sacrifice doesn't apply, but sacrifice does apply because it's a sacrifice of our heart. You know, what am I sacrificing to give to the Lord? Yeah. And that's time, resources, you know, 
offerings, what, you know, whatever it may be, it's beyond just money, even right. though that's what we like to zone in on. Mm-hmm. It's beyond that. It's a sacrifice of our heart. It's a sacrifice of us personally. Okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm all in in my service for God. I'm all in in my relationship with God. But I think we've yeah. been taught that in our society, we tend to like to give money more than our time because yes. our time we have been taught is so much more important than our money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not true. I mean, just comfort us, a child that's crying. Yeah. Anything that shows love. Cause w- what was Jesus really main theme? You know, mm-hmm. love. love. Yeah. You can't buy the love with money. You can buy someone who says they love you, but you right. can't actually buy true love with money. Well, and connecting that to what we talked about, about, you know, there are certain things that he shifted, but certain things he didn't. Every time he quoted, he quoted something about love. He was quoting the law. Every single time the law that we're told no longer applies, he was quoting. It was all, it was always about love, Mm -hmm. right? About how we love those around us and how we properly love God. Yeah. It was always about that. And, you know, you talked about the temple, you know, we're the temple. There's a reason we're told repeatedly in the new Testament that we are the temple. Those I've been adding still rooms apply. to the temple over here. I don't know. Why I don't know. <laughs> and then we go back to that in the New Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. So you're telling me that he, okay, he implemented it. Then, okay, we get a break. But it, in the New Jerusalem, when we're going to spend eternity with him, now all of a sudden it's hit back again. Yeah. And that's, I mean, <laughs> they have to ignore, you have to ignore I mean, very, yeah, you have to ignore very explicit mm-hmm. prophecies that when the New Jerusalem comes, there is a temple there yes. and you can't hyper spiritualize that because they're right. physically seen. They're, they're describing a physical city with a physical temple and you mm-hmm. can't say that there will be a physical city and then say, well, the temple is hyper spiritualized right? because those are in the, it's in the same prophecy. Mm-hmm. These prophets are seeing this all at the same time. They're seeing the city with the temple in it. So you can't say the city's a real place where we'll live, but the temple isn't a real, a real thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. At the very least, the temple, the temple is there in the thousand year reign yeah. at the absolute least. I think an argument can be made that there's no longer a need for a temple in the new heaven and the new earth. Right. But at the very least, during the thousand-year reign of Christ, there will be a physical temple there. You can't ignore that. You know, that, that destroys a lot of theology and how we handle the law. Mm-hmm. A lot of prophets destroy a lot of theology and yeah. how we handle the right. law when you, really, when you really study them out, <coughs> which is probably why we're not really taught by a lot of these, these church leaders to, to look at the prophets. They kind of want yeah. you to look away from them. Yeah, but have they been taught about it? That's my question. Yeah. Is the root problem what they have been taught themselves? See, that's a problem in itself too, because then you're go relying on what somebody else is teaching you and not diving in yourself. Guess what? The trust issue. There it is. Yeah. I mean, who do you trust and who's telling you what? Yeah. When I think it comes down to no, I was just going to say I think it comes down to how we've we handle anointing wrong. We treat we Mm -hmm. treat it like you're only allowed to be anointed and called to share the, to share the gospel or to be a preacher if you go to an approved Bible college (laughs) and get their human permission. If you don't go to their Bible college and get taught what they tell you to teach and agree to teach what they tell you to teach, then you're not allowed to be anointed. Well, I'm sorry, you ain't God. You don't yeah. get to make that determination. Right. We wouldn't have A.W. Tozer if that was the case. Boy, A.W. Tozer, Carl turned me on to him. Sonny, have you? Have you? Yeah. Yeah, he's wow. good. Yeah, he's wow. good. I've read two of his books now, and I, I can't seem to get enough of it. Totally mm-hmm. uneducated. You'd never guess it. He was clearly led. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they didn't want him to be, to be, you know, ordained. There was one guy on that board that said, you know what? I've got a feeling about him. I think we need to just put it in spirit's hand and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And that one guy's the only reason he was ordained as a minister. The I, only know, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But man, 
he doesn't uh, mess around. He, he tells you the way it is. And, and I think that's what we need more of in our church today. Even if you're uncomfortable, if it's the truth, we need to run with it. Yeah. I mean, yes, there will be times that we're uncomfortable because that spirit's jolting us. Yeah. Like, and so, and so it, that's what you said earlier. You got to determine whether it's just plain emotions yeah. or whether it's an actual conviction of the spirit saying, hey, I want you to pay attention to this truth. You know, and right. so well, and you can only do that by studying exactly. his word and seeing if it aligns right. or not. Yes. <clears throat> That's been my past couple of weeks. I've just been uncomfortable completely. It's yeah. Just, you know, uh, um, just all in general, all in, in my whole entire life. I mean, pretty much it's, it's been kind of awkward. Um, you know, I just feel off like one, I'm probably not in the word enough. You know, I've been kind of slacking on that a little bit, but, uh, slacker. Uh, it, it happens sometimes, you know, I mean, you get in different, different areas and, but, uh, you know, I just kind of feel distant, you know, and, and, um, the biggest part of it is, is that I know it, I see it, I see where I'm at and I'm not, you know, trying to run to anything else, but it's just like, I'm being convicted of these things and I'm not liking it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm kind of, yeah. and I'm kind of just, you know, sitting down for a minute and like, okay, all right. I've been hit with five, six, seven different ones. And I'm like, which one do I work on? Mm-hmm. You know, cause I can only focus on one thing at a time with my attention span. <laughs> so when well, I've talked to a couple of people and I've, I've felt it too, the past couple of weeks specifically, yeah. Bob said the same thing that we just feel this distance for some reason. I think there's a sifting going on. I really do. And, I mean, it's been, yeah. it's been hardcore because like whenever I, Whenever I first got out of rehab and like everything started falling into place and everything and, you know, this, this whole, you know, podcast stuff and everything, like it was, it was really intense for me. And I, I felt like I was on cloud nine and then, you know, everything just kind of leveled out except for it leveled out in a, in a downward plane. Mm -hmm. And it just, right now it's kind of like, it, you said contentment was going to be our topic for the top half. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm content. I mean, nothing bad's happening. You know, nothing extraordinary is happening. Nothing crazy, nothing, you know, like I'm not, you know, thinking about going out and getting a, a bottle or anything, but I'm just kind of bleh. <laughs> And I don't, I don't know how to deal with that. You know, I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out, you know, why this is, you know, is it because that, you know, I've been kind of convicted about a few things, but I haven't been in the word and working on them. Or is it because, you know, and sometimes I even feel like the convictions I have are self-induced, not God, you know, it's like, well, you've been taught that this is wrong. But is that really wrong or is that taught in a way that, you know, maybe that's manipulated saying that that's wrong, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't like, I'm kind of confused um, most days about a lot of stuff. And, you know, I've been kind of distant from you. I've been distant from stone. I've been distant from pretty much everybody. And it's just been kind of a, it's been a weird weird couple of weeks 
I understand you, Sonny. I've been distant from my brothers as well. Um, I'm, I'm going through some of that myself. And uh, I actually texted Carl the other night. <clears throat> I'll be transparent here because that's what I do. I've uh, been struggling financially. And uh, I went to the store to get some food. And uh, somehow I, I didn't pay close enough attention to what I was putting in the cart. And uh, I didn't have enough money. And some guy I never saw, never talked to in my life behind me paid for the rest of my food. Mm. Now, my background is I come from, I'm not boasting because that's wrong. But let's just say I came from a, a background of not having to worry about anything. Mm. And then I went through a period of my life where I lost everything. The old me would have reared right up and said, no, I got it. It's okay. I don't need, I don't need all this. And, you know, I wouldn't have accepted it, but God has been working on my heart to be humble and to trust him with everything. And the light bulb went off in my head, man. I said, I'm not in control. That's what I've got to figure out. Yeah. And the word will lead you where you need to go because that's what the word does. And my advice to you, brother, is get your Bible and stay there. Right. And, and and write down questions. I mean, I have questions all the time. Yeah. And I usually come to one of my brothers and say, hey, what, what do you think about this? You know, or what's going on here? And, and the underlying thing I'm trying to say is put all your faith and trust in God, and he won't lead you astray. There's no way. Right. So when you have a question, go to him in prayer. Stay in prayer, meditate on it, stay with it. Yeah. He'll give you the answer. May not be the answer you want. So I've got plenty of those. <laughs> it, <really is>. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be your plan. Right. And James talks about making plans without consulting God. Yeah. And that's kind of, I like I, whenever I was reading this last night, I was kind of convicted about it because like there were certain things that here lately I've, you know, kind of planned for myself, which... You know, I was trying to, <clears throat> in the beginning, I was, you know, just trying to keep myself occupied to stay sober, you know, to try to not think about drinking or not think about doing anything else. And, you know, so I, I kind of overexerted myself on buying some aftermarket stuff and everything else for one of my trucks. And, and you know, I worked on it and worked on it, worked on it, trying to keep myself busy. And, you know, I kind of overdid it <laughs> and it's not, I mean, like I, I'm okay. It's just like, I felt like God told me not to, but I did it anyways. You know what I mean? Like it, there was kind of one of those things that happened. It was just like, I mean, in, in all reality, I ordered parts and all the parts were wrong. <laughs> Every single one of them. And, but you pushed ahead. Yeah. I think we've all been there. And I mean, I went ahead and I was like, okay, well, I mean, if it's the money aspect, fine, I'll do it this way and I'll cut costs. Anything <laughs> so, to justify what you want. Yeah, yeah. And I did that and I kind of felt, you know, I felt bad about it. And I like, I felt like I was in the wrong and I felt like I was, you know, like maybe 
maybe I didn't listen. Maybe I didn't do what I was told. And, you know, so now it's the whole distant thing. And, you know, now it's like, well, is it because of that? Or is it because of something else? Or is it, you know, so it's just been. Well, just this thing, that's the enemy, man. Yeah. If he can drive away between you. And the good Lord. And he see, will. that's, that's that's a spiritual attack for sure. Whenever you feel distant, it's you know, it, it, don't get me wrong. There are times where where God, like with Hezekiah, for example, He says that He He left Hezekiah alone to see all that was in his heart. Right. So He allowed Hezekiah to feel. I believe that's a poetic way of saying He let Hezekiah feel distant from mm-hmm. the Lord, so that there was something unclean in Hezekiah's heart. It could be revealed. Right. So He will. I mean, even though it's the enemy doing it. It's, you know, like we learned from Job, it's the most yeah, high allowing it, it. I mean, right. for Elijah. a reason. Yeah. yeah. Like Elijah felt de- distant. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he, was, yeah, he ran away to a cave. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? I mean, he. Now, I believe and, there's and, some spiritual and, warfare involved there. Yes, I do too. And God sent an angel to give him some food and comfort him and right. never really rebuked him. I mean, he did inadvertently during the still small voice, but yeah, right. during but the time softly. he was going through it. He was ministering to his to his needs, and then yes, rebuked him later. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. It's just kind of a. It's been a weird few weeks, yeah. and you know, it kind of you know it. I've never not believed. I've never you know doubted. It's just been more kind of like a, you know, what's going on here? You know, I don't. I'm not seasoned enough, I guess, to say that. You know, I know exactly what's up. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of a, it's a new process for me, but it's been kind of a, ugh. yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. Well, I want to keep this conversation going. Um, I don't think we've said anything the past few minutes that anybody would disapprove of going on. I think that was a pretty important conversation to be honest with you. No. So for Carl's hat. Yeah. yeah, well, I like my hat. I just don't like it. They play so terrible in the playoffs. <laughs> so those of you listening, I know it's a little bit different transition. It kind of faded in, but I think that 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 sidebar conversation was important and it really, really applies to what I want to talk about today. I had different plans for how this conversation was going to go. We were going to go from... Again, your plans. Yeah, my plans. Uh, we're going yeah. to change things a little bit. I think we're just going to dig dig into James 4 today. Um, I was going to... I was, I was going to just kind of gloss over James four and go into something else. But I think we'll push that back into next week, but this is digging deeper since we didn't do our regular intro. This <laughs> nope. is digging deeper. And as you can hear, Chris is not with us. He quit the podcast. And I, by yeah. quit, I mean, he took two weeks off. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I was like, wait, you're going to get the emails now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think he quit. We'll find out in three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> So for this week to sit in for Chris, we've got my good friend, Coffee Mike from the round table. I'm super, super excited to have you here, man. I'm super excited to be here. I was really excited when Carl put that text out there for anybody could, you know, set in. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I can do it. I have no job. I'm pretty open yep. other than liking to sleep in in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> or recording in the morning. Uh-huh. You can tell by his animosity about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ex- like, extra large coffee. <laughs> yeah. So like you heard from that conversation, our plan for this top half, and now I think for the whole episode, is to talk about contentment. And really where that conversation, the idea for that conversation originated was last week we talked about Psalm 23. We really ran through Psalm 23. 
And there's a part in that psalm, the very beginning, I think we glossed over a little bit more than we probably should have and maybe didn't handle it as well as we probably should have. And that's, I shall not want. Mm -hmm. It seems like such a throwaway phrase. Yes. The Lord is my, is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I think the way we kind of handled it was he provides for all our needs, but I really think it's deeper than that. I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a complete and total contentment. It's not just that he provides for what you need and for what you want. It's that you are so totally trusting in the shepherd like a sheep that you're not even concerned with what you want or need, right? You, you don't even think about it. You, you need to get to a place where you don't even think about what you want or need because you have such total, complete trust in the shepherd that he's going to do the right thing no matter what. Mm. I think that's what that really means. Yeah. To, and, you know, we're all striving to that. I don't think any of us have really attained to that. I know I haven't. The past couple of weeks have proven to me that I haven't attained to that. But that's, that should be the goal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we look at sheep and being dumb animals, and they don't worry about that stuff. I and we talked it. about that last week. We, yeah. But, I mean, oh, you, but I, I mean, they don't worry about where their next meal is going to come from. No. They don't worry about where the grassy meadows are or where the cool waters are because the shepherd provides that. Yeah. And for us to get to a place in our life where we are to that point where we, everything I have is exactly what I need for the moment because this is what God has provided for me for this moment. Yep. You know, Michael, Michael, that's <clears throat> kind of where I'm at. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> I have to, I had to learn. I am still learning to be content with what I have. I mean, I, I, I go home and I, I lay in a soft, warm bed yep. in a heated structure. Yep. May not have what I want or what I think I need, but I have everything I need. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, I have to be able to, and I think everyone does, be thankful for what they have because if you just look just down the street from where you live, mm-hmm. so many have nothing. Yes. And they're living on the street or they're living the worldly lie. And I have to remember to say to myself, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm the salt of the earth. Yeah. My job is to make people thirsty. Yes. And that's what the salt, you know, that's one of the meanings of the salt of the mm-hmm. earth means. And of course, back in the day, they used salt to preserve things. So God, you know, has given me everything I need. I need to make sure that I am appreciative of that, giving thanks in all things. Yep. That's where I'm at right now. That's the season of my life. And that's hard. And I'm, and I've been there as well. You know, I sometimes, you know, and my wife hit it on the head. I was, I've been struggling with this same thing, contentment, which is kind of weird that you, I didn't know that. Lives, right? Yeah. But you know, she, you know, we, we, we help out with the warming center and um, everything. And she says, here I am, I get up and I'm chilly, but I'm, I'm like you said, I'm in a warm structure. I go warm up the car and mm-hmm. drive to a heated place. So really the only time I'm really out in the cold is from the house to the car, to the car, to the building that's heated. And yet we want to complain and gripe. And sometimes how cold it is for that 22 seconds. We go from the house to the car. And yet there's people that are living in tents, you know, that are not heated obviously. And so we, we've been, we've been greatly blessed and greatly, um, not to bring up the sermon from yesterday, but we were looking at Mary and she makes the statement 
after everything that's happened and the angel has told her and announced everything, she makes the statement, my soul magnifies the Lord. It's, it's, it's in my soul. It's not, it's not just an empty praise or worship. She goes, my soul magnifies the Lord, my savior, my redeemer. She acknowledges that she needs a redeemer as well. And, and just my soul longs. And that's, and that's, that's where I think the contentment comes in is where we have it, not just looking around and going, okay, I'm okay with where I'm at. But that, that deep inner soul contentment that only comes from, and I think it only comes from God because our flesh naturally is not content. No, our never. flesh, our flesh naturally is, well, why can't I live in a nicer house or mm-hmm. drive a nicer car or whatever, whatever the case may be. And things of the world. Yes. Yeah. And, and we, we get our focus all in the wrong places. And to get to that point, my soul longs, my soul magnifies the Lord. You know, you talk about Mary, uh, not to get off track, but I was doing some reading. We get off track a lot. It's fine. <laughs> Joseph, you know, in that time, uh, the way they did marriages was that there was a year waiting period in between the two becoming and living as a, as, as a married couple mm-hmm. to see the purity of the woman to make sure she wasn't with child in that year period. And at that year, he would proceed with a great multitude of people to the house of his would-be yep. to pick her up and taking take her back to his house to consummate the marriage if she was without child. Now, if she was with child, like Mary was, there are a couple things that, you know, happened. One, she was stoned to death. Mm-hmm. Or the, you know... um they annulled the marriage. Most of the time, they were stoned to death. Talk about trust in the Lord. Of course, he did have an angel come and kind of point him in the right direction, which is always a big road sign that helps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but still, here you are in love with a woman so much that you're willing to trust the Lord that this is the child she's carrying is of immaculate conception, and he's going to save the world. Even having an angel tell you that, how do you wrap your head around that? Right, exactly. Yeah. You know? Because how many young women out there, you know, oh, I'm, no, I don't know how I got pregnant. Well, I do, but, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. Sure. It's just a thought. I, I think we focus so much on Mary being the mother of Jesus, which is very important. Don't get me wrong. But the faith that it took. Yes. Joseph to stand by her side, mm-hmm. I think shines as, as James talks about, you know, light on the, on, on the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joseph gets overlooked a lot in that account, in my he opinion, does. and he shouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I just, no, you're good. Bring something up out there for the men to hang on to. <laughs> <laughs> Were you getting ready to say something, Sonny? Uh, uh no, I'm not going to bring that on the, on the cast. I'll talk to you about it later. Oh, but, okay. Right uh, on. <laughs> the, the contentment part, man. Um, I think contentment can mean a lot of different things. What does it mean to you? Right now, um, I'm okay where I'm at. I, you know, I know God's blessed me with a lot of things. You know, um, just seven years ago, I had a duffel bag. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have anything. I didn't even have a job whenever I showed up here um, to you know, this area. Um <clears throat> You know, I I had just gotten out of out of DOC and and uh, become 
you know, um, stable, just citizen, citizen. <laughs> I, I was looking for the word now. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, the biggest thing is, is that God's blessed me in a lot of ways. And, and, uh, I can, I can seriously say that I, I don't worry too much about what's going to happen with my everyday life. So I am content, but now to go beyond that, there was so many years that I didn't get to do the things that normal people do Mm -hmm. as of, um, I chose a wrong path and put myself in a, in a lifestyle that is not good for anybody. And, um, so normal everyday living that most people know, I don't know. I don't understand. I never got to live it. I never got to, um, I never got to have that satisfaction of knowing that. So now me understanding what just everyday life is and me knowing what, um, is good, good life. Um, I'm starting to understand that. And, you know, it might just be sitting in my house watching TV and eating some stuff. Or salad. reading the word. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. fun there. <laughs> it, it, it might be just sitting there, you know, eating some salami cheese and crackers. Well, now that, I, would, I could get into that. You know? <laughs> and, I mean, for real, and, like, you know, I... I am more, I'm happier doing that than I ever was doing any of the other things that I ever was. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've sought out the world so much throughout my life that sitting in my, my own home and just being able to sit back and think, you know, you, you gave me this. I, Cause this, I wasn't able to do this before. You know, you, you put me in this position to where I've been able to succeed. I have changed my life completely. You have changed me. So I, I thank him, but, you know, like we were saying before now, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the point to where I'm, I've, I've been in this position now to where like, I'm kind of like, okay, well, what's next? You know, what's next? The great question. Yeah. You know, and I always feel like there's something, something more, there's something more that's supposed to happen. And I think sometimes God puts us in these moments to, like you said, how was it Elijah, how he just Mm -hmm. sat him down and tried to figure out his heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that might be what's happening with me right now, because like, it's just like, I don't know what's going on, but I mean, nothing bad's happening. I mean, nothing mm-hmm. great's happening, but, you know, nothing bad's happening. That's just the so. season you're in. You know, I've talked to <clears throat> Carl about that, Sonny. Um, I want to do more for the Lord. I want to glorify Him. Yeah. But am I personally ready to do so? And that may be the season you're in. You know, you talk about your background, and just for the listeners, there's a big air hug going towards Sonny right now from me. Um, <laughs> I feel you, brother, and I love you. I'm sorry you had to go through all that, but you wouldn't be where you're at without going through that. 
Right. Just like he, you know, Job was blessed, more than blessed. He lost everything. Yeah. Never gave up on God. Even when his own wife said, curse mm-hmm. the Lord and die, he wouldn't do it. And you wouldn't be where you're at, surrounded by the people that you're surrounded by, if it wasn't in his plan. For me, in the seasons of my life, and there's a list that he's working on for me, it looks like a scroll if you unrolled about 40 feet of the issues <laughs> that I'm working on. Yeah. This is just one of the issues that he's got to sharpen you, to make you ready for something else that we don't know. Right. You know Carl talked about a, uh, on our, our other podcast a while back, and I haven't forgot it. Uh, a little girl was terminally ill and uh, she knew she was because her parents had talked to her and he she said well mama can i get can i send you flowers from heaven you know i mean what a heartbreaking thing for a parent to hear and god prepared her for that through that little girl saying that to her mother and then after the little girl had passed unfortunately she did die uh the mother was I was stop me if I'm wrong, Carl, was cleaning up her room. Correct. And came across some of her puzzles. And the puzzle piece she turned over were flowers. Uh-huh. Now, to someone who doesn't believe in God's master plan for us, they would say coincidence. Well, that's not how God works. That's right. And can you imagine the peace in her heart when she saw that and thought of her little girl, mm-hmm. that God sent his grace for her? Mm-hmm. That's that's a phenomenal story, and that may be where you're at. Well, I'm I'm hoping you don't go to heaven right now. Well, and me neither. I, I, and I, I wouldn't send you flowers today if you were alive. So I mean, <laughs> but there there may be there if may. If I was alive, <laughs> we assume you are. Yeah. That's open for debate. But anyway, <laughs> the appearance of being alive. So, so. Yeah. I mean, for, for you in your season, you may be just be experiencing things that you need to get to that so-called normal. So that when God calls you to do whatever it is he has planned for you, because I have no idea, only he does, you're prepared to go. Right. Mm-hmm. You may be the light in somebody's life that needs to hear what you went through to help them get to where they need to be. 100%. It's those little, little pieces of puzzle yeah. that just blow my mind. I'm in awe of his master plan. Yeah. It just, I can't believe it sometimes. Yeah, the tapestry he weaves when you when you really take a step back and pay attention. It's unbelievable. It's mind-boggling. It is. Yeah, um, I do think some big things are coming. You and I have talked about it, Micah, and I'm not going to get into details on why I think that and the things that I've seen, but I think he's preparing us for what's coming. Uh, and the Most High will, you know, give us glimpses of, of what is coming or that something is coming. The enemy wants us to obsess over that, though. Yes. He wants us to obsess over the next thing because to me, contentment is being satisfied in what the most high has for you right now in the moment, total satisfaction in what he has for you. Anything beyond that leads to covetousness. It it always, whether it's things or even um, when you see how God is using somebody else and, and, you know, you you want that. that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) At least I I covet that calling. Mm -hmm. Anything can be coveted. Yes. You know, and, and when you don't master contentment, you, if, until you master contentment, you will not subdue covetousness. Yeah. You have to master the one before you can subdue the other. Um, like I say, he'll warn us, he'll prepare us, he'll equip us, but the enemy wants us obsessing because mm-hmm. then it leads to, to a, a sense of guilt over where we are right now. 
And that's not productive. It's not helpful. You know, I think back to my story and not to make this all about me, but you know, I was successful executive, pretty much had a good life. I thought, and, uh, one, I, one day out of nowhere, right after nine 11, I had a stroke and went mm-hmm. down and lost everything. And they didn't even know if I was going to walk or talk again. And, uh, you know, I was a follower of Christ and not like I am now. I was a lukewarm one. Believer, but not really a, a true follower. True follower, not pursuing. Yeah, right. I had received the grace of the salvation and I knew my sins were forgiven, but that's pretty much where it stopped. And I think, and that's a whole nother subject we can get into, but that's where I was in my walk. Okay. And then I went into the self-pity mode, lost my house cars, had to move in with my mother-in-law and father-in-law. My kids were quite young, kindergarten and first grade, second grade. They didn't know what was going on. They just knew daddy was in a wheelchair and wasn't speaking real well. And for the longest time, I was so mad at God because I was a a vibrant young man. I was 35 years old when that happened. I'm 57 now. Mm. And I couldn't understand It took me decades in retrospect to understand what was going on with me. And I think we're at times, this this isn't just about about me. I'm coming back to what Sonny was saying. We go through seasons that what's next. And he was preparing me to learn to rely on him. Number one. And secondly, to humble myself, even though I kind of got back up on my feet, I fell again. And uh, I wound up here in Moberly, Missouri. Not that Moberly is falling, mind you. (laughs) Sorry about that out there. That's not the case. (laughs) But I had an opportunity to move out here and and cut my cost, and I took it. But if I hadn't done that, I believe it was part of his master plan to put me here because now I have a band of brothers that are on fire for Jesus Christ and want to spread the word, get out there and make disciples, not taking tithes and offerings. We want to help the community, help people come to follow Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And that's what I think I'm here for. That's Well, again, my thought, my plan, who knows if I'm right? Chances are I'm not. Um (laughs) So whatever comes next, I'm just kind of sitting here waiting with my hands open going, I'm okay, I'm ready. Or I think I'm ready, but I'm sure there's more he needs to do to sharpen me. Oh, I think there's more he needs to do to sharpen all of us. Yeah. And I think, you know, commenting on your road, I think, you know, that highlights that where he wants us is at a place where we're thankful for the blessings he gives us, but we're not in love with the blessings that he gives us. Cause I think it's so easy to get to a place where you love the blessings more than the blessing giver. Mm, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough because I've I've been there. I've been where you're at. You know, when something doesn't go your way, you borderline shake your fist at him and you're mad. And that proves that you love the blessing more than you love him. And you've got to get to a place where if you, you, you make a list of all the blessings that he's given you thankful for, you need to get to a place where you could cross every one of those off the list. And the only thing you have left is him. And that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. You've got wow. to get to a place where great your else. relationship with him is the only thing that that's matters. That's a great illustration. That's Bob's. <laughs> I stole that from Bob, so that's not mine. Brother Bob said that. <laughs> yeah, he taught the kids at, at Kid Church that, yeah, I had him go, go down a list and then cross off, would you still be thankful? 
He, yeah, you're, you're, you're thankful for your life because of all these things you have. Cross this off, are you still thankful? Cross this off, are you still thankful? And cross it all off, are you still thankful? You've got to get to the place where you're still thankful, like Job, where you lose everything. And you can, you can be sad, you can mourn, you can be upset, you can even be angry. But at the end of the day, you get down and you praise God and you say, he gives, he takes. At the end of the day, he's still the most high and he's still mine. He's still my father. And I worship him. We've got to get to that place. Do you know, does Bob listen to this podcast? I don't think so. I don't think he listens to podcasts. Okay, then I'm going to give a shout out to Bob. Well done, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> don't want him to hear that. No. <laughs> but I think that's the heart of contentment as well, is realizing that God will take you to unexpected places. Yeah. Places that you didn't plan mm-hmm. yeah. to bring you to where he wants us to be. Absolutely. I mean- we can all share stories. You know, my wife recently quit daycare and our she goal. she too old to go? No. Yeah, I guess she did. <laughs> yeah. No, I, finally, I finally graduated her. She doesn't listen to the podcast. Okay. So okay. I didn't figure she did. That's why I said that's that. Right. I didn't want to throw you under the bus, Mike. Sorry. That's right. But I mean, our, our plan was to, you know, do some other ministry related things. And, and then God dropped two special needs kids in our lap that we had taken care of before that we are now taking care of full time. And that was a complete unexpected. And so the contentment for me is, okay, I want to be do more. We talked about doing these ministries and getting involved and, you know, being out in the community more and your plans. Yeah, exactly. And now, now my plan is that, you know, I'm stuck in air quotes. Of course, I know people can't see that, but in air quotes, you know, I'm stuck here taking these kids, but yet these kids are exactly where God has us. Yes. Yeah. And so contentment realizes that even though the road that we plan isn't it doesn't go according to the way we want it to go, it's always according to whether he wants to go. Because I think yes. you said it a couple of weeks ago, um, you used the verse, and I don't remember where it was, but you used the verse that he orders each one of our steps. Every, yes. every single one of our steps is ordered by God and, and designed by God. I think it was a couple of weeks Psalm ago. Psalm 139, I think. Yeah. I think it was a couple of weeks ago that you, you said that. But mm-hmm. to realize... He's ordained where we're at right now, a lot of times where we want to be. Yes, we might have taken some detours along the way, like Jonah. You know, Jonah said no to God and took some detours, but that doesn't surprise God. That God doesn't well, sit knew, up and he knew it was coming. Exactly. Yeah. God didn't sit up in heaven and go, Oh, I didn't realize Jonah was going to get on a ship and go the opposite way. Yeah, Donna should have picked somebody else. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, he had him exactly where he wanted him. Right. You know, because he led him to where exactly he told he where exactly he told him to go. Yeah. And I, and I think in our life. Yeah, we may take some detours because we're we're flesh and we walk in our flesh, but it doesn't, you know, God God will use those things. Like you said earlier, Mike, that God will use those things in our life to bring us closer to him. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we use this uh, as parents when our kids were growing up. We are the guardrails. The road is where they need to be. If you apply that to Jesus, he's a big guardrail that teaches you, get off the side of the road, get back in the middle of the road. Yeah. You know, yes. Uh, but, but I want to touch briefly on what Carl was talking about blessings mm. because that's a big deal. Uh, and James, I read, I've got a few notes here, so I'm cheating. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, can we can we hit that on the other side of the break? Sure. I think it's a good place to take a short break. Uh, while we do that, we're going to play a song called The Road by Nikki Gracious. And again, we'll continue this discussion on the other side and, and we'll dig into James chapter four there as well. So Are be you sure to stick around. Carl? Uh, I can. I'd like to hear that. I, I think we'll lose my, half of our viewer base. I was going to say, let me take my headphones off. Real right. <laughs> Thanks, Sonny, for the vote of confidence. Right. There's some love for you, folks. <laughs> Again, this is The Road by Nikki Gracious. Be sure and stick around. We'll talk at you in a few.
praise Jesus. Been a long, dark, lonely road. Yeah. Coming up, I had a vision of being a big star running through my head. Yes, I did. But the devil had a target on me, now yeah. Mama was being abused, and when I started to lose, I guess I tried to numb the pain until I just didn't care. There's gotta be a bigger purpose for me. Coming up, I had a vision of being a big star running through my head. Surrounded by all these demons and I'm alone inside. Somewhere amidst all the madness, all my dreams died. The light went out of my eyes and I believed all of the lies that I was worthless and I never really go nowhere. Misunderstood by everybody, I was a dark child. Rebellion stirring up in me, I started smoking loud. I never thought that if I just opened my heart that God would give me everything that I dream. Y'all can I preach now? Could be wide awake and still be asleep now, yeah I used to think that I was stuck on my own to fight alone Now it's clear to me that Jesus never went nowhere Jesus always had a purpose for me And Jesus always had a purpose for me Stars have all the money and cars and be famous for dropping hits. But none of that could ever make us feel like these. I can see light down at the end of the road. Yeah. I can see light down at the end of the road. Yeah. I can see light down at the end of the road. I can see light down at the end of the Don't take us to who knows where yeah. He can take us anywhere Jesus always had a purpose for me Been a long, dark, lonely road. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> don't turn off the don't turn off the podcast. I apologize. You no, know, Carl, I was only kidding about you singing. Okay, that's pretty good. Though. It wasn't bad. I, know. Right. <laughs> I wasn't even. I was trying to make it sound bad. That's what we'll say. Oh, I can yeah. do a lot better. Speaking really. of all that new music we've been talking about, mm-hmm. about sending them in. There you go. We got Carl. <laughs> no, no. You know I play guitar. Turtle right? Carl is do in you? the house. Oh man, we got to get together. We'll hook up. We'll go there to the street go. corners. Yeah. I'm 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 only half joking. <laughs> next next break, you'll yeah. you'll have the sunny curl oh 100 sunny curl that's how we're gonna show the gospel there man you, go. Absolutely. you can preach for us and and i'll i'll sing badly and sunny will play the guitar hopefully better than i sing yeah, maybe we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see we'll find out <laughs> so again that was the road by nikki gracious be sure and check him out on spotify or apple or yeah apple music he's fantastic great artist we also have a playlist called broken record radio if you want to check out the music that we feature on the podcast and make it easier to find more of what they what they produce be sure and check that out as well i highly encourage uh, supporting these artists because their their music is a ministry and it's important to support what they do um, 
before we hit the break, Mike, you said you had something you wanted to share on blessings. You had a note. Yeah. Um, and I was guilty of this. I'm going to be up front first. When I first became a Christian, you know, it was all about the blessings of God. Uh, I didn't understand what a blessing truly was. And if this reaches anybody out there, I hope it helps them. Um, a blessing is not a get rich scheme. Okay. Blessings come in many forms. Uh, God gives us good gifts that he wants us to enjoy. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you're down in the mouth all the time and upset. And that's not what that means. He, he, he wants you to enjoy life, but enjoy it by obeying what he has set forth for you and the expectations of, well, I've done so much good. Why isn't, why isn't it that I'm being reimbursed? Mm-hmm. You've got, we've got to get away from that. Mm-hmm. We have got to be focused. Like Carl said, brother Bob was doing with the kids at church the other day put all your blessings down, scratch them off. And the only thing left is Jesus. There's your blessing right there. Cause if you step back and think that before that, you know, the hope of eternal life wasn't there. I can't think of a better gift than being able to pass on and look upon the face of your savior. I'm so hungry for that. That's the true blessing. Everything else just supports your daily lives, and he's always going to give you what you need to live. And, you know, blessings aren't there to seek. You you can't seek them at the expense of someone else. And coveting comes in many forms, whether it's money, relationships, whatever it might be, someone's car, house, home, as Micah was saying earlier. I've been there, too. I've done that. And when you get those emotions where you feel like, well, I'm not good. I'm not doing as well as this next person. I should be able to give my family this, that, and the other. Mm. What your family really wants is you, Mm -hmm. your time, your effort, your love, your patience, all of all the fruits of the spirit. That's what they want. They may not say that they may not know it. They may want that Xbox, but, uh, as they get older kids, they will realize what you actually gave them. Couldn't be bought. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. That's really based upon James 4, 3 to 4, verse mm-hmm. 3 to 4. When I was reading that, that hit me pretty hard. Pleasures that keep us from um, pleasing God is sinful. We need to remember that as well. Yeah. yeah. Back to you, Carl. I think it's important to remember, too, that he has different callings for different people and that, you know, for example— Abraham, he was building a nation through that involved a lot of wealth. You know, you know, it points a lot of comfort. Jeremiah, he was speaking to the people to return to him through, and that involved sitting a, a long time in a dungeon and in a pit. You know, that's, that's why we need to, to keep our number one focus on him. Yeah. We, we need to not be so obsessed with the things and with the blessings and with our perception of, of, of what those blessings should look like that we lose sight of the one that gives them. And I think that's the key is understanding what the blessing looks like because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we miss, like you were talking about and what you just said, we miss what blessings really look like. We think of blessings as monetary and, you know, you know, I've 
got an extra check in the mail or something good happens, you know, if we you look do at send those, it my way, will you, Michael? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, we look at we look at those we look at those as as the blessings, but really the blessing could be just an encouragement from a friend or a text oh, yeah. message that, you know, you know that you know a timely text message. I, yeah. I've sent messages before, and I'm not bragging by any means, but I've sent, I've called people up and spoke to them for maybe two minutes. You know, you look at your phone and it's two minutes, but the other person on the other line is like, man, I'm so glad you called. Thank you so much. I, mm-hmm. that, that really made my day. And I look at the phone and go, it took two and a half minutes of my time. Right. I mean, it wasn't a long conversation. And so blessings come in different forms and in different ways. And, and I think part of contentment is acknowledging those blessings in those other forms. Oh, absolutely. And yes, they do come, they do come in monetary things that we can see tangible things that we can see and feel and put our finger on. But they also come with just realizing, you know, one of the special needs that we, one of the special needs kids that we take care of earlier that I mentioned, you know, I mean, he's, he's so happy all the time. I mean, here he is, he can't walk, he can't talk, he eats by a feeding tube and yet he'll just sit there and just laugh and, and have, have a, have a great time. And I mean, I don't know what contentment is for him, you know, but I mean, he has everything done for him. But yet he's he's happy. Yeah. Apparently he's found content. Yes. Yeah. And and so I think, you know, to realize that, you know, that and that's a blessing for us to see that. You know, to see and hear him hear his laugh and Yeah. I wanna thank you, Micah, for taking care of kids like that. I wish I could. I don't I, I just can't for some reason. I'll love on them, but to have the fortitude that it takes every day to take care of a child like that, man, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's all, it's all him. I mean, it's all, I, I know where it comes from, but he's using you to do so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're the willing vessel. Yep. So Carl's always so much more eloquent than me. No, stop. <laughs> I'm saying good job. He says, you're the vessel. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still wearing a goofy hat. So that's all right. It balances out, right? Yes, it that's does. Right. So like I said, we're going to dig into James chapter four, because I really think that the, the overarching theme of James chapter four is contentment. It, it really is. And, and where discontentedness can lead us. And, and it's a, it's a pretty stark warning. Originally, like I said, I had planned on this being the start of a multi-part study series on a different topic, but I think we're going to start that next week. And just the way this conversation is tracked, we're just going to stick with contentment for this episode and dig into James chapter four. And that'll lead us to our topic next week. So I'm just going to start. And as usual, I know this is your first time here, Mike, but as I read, if there's something that you want to comment on, just stop me. We'll just read. How, how do I do that? Throw something at you? What? Yeah, that's fire. Hit okay. me. You're close enough. I was going to say. Maybe don't hit me with that. <laughs> I think we should get some Nerf guns in here. Yeah, I like it. I've got some at home. We can do that. I just actually got rid of a bunch. <laughs> Did you? Oh, yeah. oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Throw foam darts at each other. Yeah. I think I'm actually going to back up uh, to James chapter three, starting in verse 13, because I, you know, originally these were letters that didn't have chapter breaks. And I think starting in verse 13, it gives us a good, uh, it establishes context of what he's going to talk about next in chapter four. And it says this, who among you is wise in understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Mm. 
For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I think it's good that you backed up because, you know, that's setting up the whole chapter four. I agree. Because my note here says, you know, submit submit yourself to God. Mm. And he's talking about disputes and conflict. And, you know, James, he, he, I didn't really know a lot about James until I started, you know, studying up for this podcast. I knew he was the half-brother of, of, of Jesus from Mary. He grew up in the same household as Jesus. But I, what I didn't know was he was not a believer of Jesus until after he had risen again. Now, my, that's what I've read. Is that correct? Does anybody back me up on that? Not that it's important to the conversation. I just. I don't even know. I have no idea. He was not, a, he was not a believer. Is what I'm, what I've read. I think that's something that we would have to extrapolate from probably extra biblical sources, but we're not really told biblically. So I don't think that's what I that did. We can state. That's what I did. It's not biblical. Yeah. I didn't come across this in the Bible. Yeah. It doesn't say James did not believe in Jesus till after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. This was, you know, as you said, that big word I can't use. Um, but if you stop and think about that, if that's the, truly the case, for him to write this letter, because he, he's really writing it to, to, to the Jews, this letter about you know conflicts that come along are always harmful. James explains quarrels are caused by evil desires battling within us. You know, an example that is we want more possession, more money, higher status, more recognition, which are all things that are not of the spirit, but of the flesh. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this, Carl. I'm lost. So back to you. <laughs> well, back to everybody. Go Chiefs. Um, <laughs> Stop that. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> I do think he's, he's, he's showing us that there's a foundation to bad behavior, just like there's a foundation to good behavior. You yeah, know, that's where I was going. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> our good behavior is based upon a foundation of in, in our belief in Jesus Christ and being led by the Spirit to exhibit those those that fruit through us. Yes. But when we get away from that foundation, like we've talked about before, you know, we 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 take a road away from the foundation and and that leading by the Spirit, then it leads to sin, and See, it's this discontentedness, this covetousness that leads to so many other sins. Go ahead, Sonny. I think my uh, I think this one really says it in a way that I don't know I just love it uh, 13 says if you are wise and understand God's ways prove it by living an honorable life doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom that just kind of you know if you are wise and humility that comes from wisdom yes. you know it, you know that humbleness doesn't come from anything other than God. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't come from anything other than being able to get closer to him and being able to seek him in everything. And then, you know, prove it by living an honorable life, you know, prove that God's working through you. How do you do that? I mean, that's kind of a, that's that light from within that shines out or the salt. 
and see that's the thing is like sometimes like I've been told a lot here lately that people are proud of me and like I've I've said where I'm at you know like I'm kind of in this weird place and then you know I've had so many people be like dude you're doing so awesome we're so proud of you and like you're you're doing amazing and I'm like I don't see it anymore, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but other people see it and I don't. And that's, I think that's the, I kind of almost think that's the goal. That's part of the humility. You know, I don't see it, but other people are. And it, maybe I feel a certain way, but God's shining through the me that I don't know. Yeah. You know, and. And God uses those as confirmations too. Yeah. And, I mean, because we don't always see it in our growth ourselves. Yeah. But he'll yeah. use others to confirm how we're living. Yeah. And I mean, and I think I'm not important. saying that I'm, I do too. I'm not yep. living a <laughs> perfect lifestyle or anything, but you know, I mean, I'm. But trying, you're progressing. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm a lot better than I was. Amen. Well, I think one important thing, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about when we finished up our discussion on Ephesians chapter four, we had talked about grieving the spirit and we, we discussed how, you know, though the spirit does the work in us, we have to cooperate and to, to fail to cooperate with that work is grieving him. So it does involve something on our part. And that's what James is talking about here with good deeds. I think we need to identify that because there's a, there's a prevailing opinion is a much too popular opinion within mainstream theological circles ever since the reformation that the deeds have no place whatsoever in our faith. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That, that goes back to Martin Luther. Martin Luther actually wanted James removed from the Bible yeah, he didn't think because he didn't agree with it. He didn't really? agree with what James had to say about good works. He believed that it was just grace alone, just faith alone. And it, you didn't have to do anything at all, which is wrong. That's not what we're told biblically. We do have to cooperate. We don't earn our salvation. That's true, but we do walk out our sanctification that's also true. And he didn't like the sanctification part. So he wanted to remove James entirely, and he didn't have a good reason for that. There were several books he wanted to remove James, Hebrews, I believe, Revelation. There were several he wanted taken out of the Bible, and he really didn't have a good reason for that. And I, I really believe it comes down to his theological differences with what the text actually said. And that's why it's so important to align our theology with the full word of God yes. and not try to mold the word of God around our theology. And too often, that's what we try to do. You hit it right on the head. It's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. What he wanted. What correct. he yes. wanted. Not, not, not the great he, but Martin Luther himself. Because it didn't go with what he wanted to teach. Yes. And I will say too, I think there's a, in this whole, this whole discussion will lead into a, a, a study series that I want to do called the Lawgiver, And we're going to get into it, to that, how, how our deeds and our actions do uh, work with our faith. Right. And we'll get into that when we, when we get into that. But I will say, since James hasn't been taken out, there's something that you the said teacher. and it's, yes, but it's very popular. And I don't agree with it, that James was writing to the Jews. It doesn't say that. We look at James chapter one, verse one, it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Jews are just Judah and Benjamin, two tribes. Now it's important to understand that there were 10 tribes in the Northern kingdom that the Assyrian empire scattered to the winds. There's a good possibility that those of us sitting in this room right now could be descended from one of those tribes. We have no idea where they ended up, no idea. But 2,000 years ago, they may have been more known to themselves who they belong to. But we know even prophetically that they've kind of been lost. 
So I don't believe that he's just writing to the Jews. He, he's, he's writing to everyone who's in the covenant. But he doesn't explicitly say just the Jews. The NLT even adds to the Jewish believers, but the text doesn't say that. So the translators add to the Jewish believers, even though the Greek text never says that, to plant that seed in your mind that this is just to Jews, so it doesn't apply to you. So what James is saying, if you're a Gentile, you don't have to apply it because it doesn't matter for you. That's problematic, especially when Paul tells us there's no longer Greek or Jew, right? The same rules apply to all of us. This uh, is this is for everybody. I, I, should, know, I know that's not how you meant that, no, Mike. I should have gave some background. What I'm when I said he's writing to the Jews, we're all Jews. We're grafted on Jews. Okay, so you're right. That he was writing to a, a vast multitude. Yeah, but you're right. I stated that incorrectly. I would say a better way to understand is that we're grafted into Israel. Israel, you know, pr- right. Prophetically, if you're in covenant, you become Israel at that point. A, a Gentile is somebody who's outside of covenant. So once you get grafted in, you are Israel. So James is writing to Israel. So this applies to anybody who's grafted in. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's dangerous to try to take a, a letter or something that was inspired by the Spirit and say, well, this, did, this isn't for me. I don't have to apply this. I, I believe that every letter of, of this word you should be applying Absolutely. to yourself. From Genesis to Revelation, it all applies to you if you want to be a believer Absolutely. in the Most High. And anytime we try to kind of manipulate the text to say, this isn't really for me, so the parts that I don't like, I can disregard. But I can cherry pick the verses that are inspirational to me. That's a dangerous way to handle the word. You know what I mean? I agree. And I hope I didn't imply that. No, you didn't. But I know that it is implied by by a certain segment of theology. And I think it's important to get away from that. We, we, need, to, we need to understand that the whole word is for us yes. as believers today. Yes. And, and we, need to get, we need to get away from this attitude of, of splicing pieces of this out. It's almost like we take a theological sharpie to it. I don't like this. I'm going to highlight this because I like that. That's super inspirational. But this part, uh, sharpie that. I don't like that. Let's take that out. Do you think we do that, Carl, because it goes against what we want? I 100%. I think we're all guilty of it at points. I think we're all guilty of coming to places in Scripture where we're like, uh, I think I'll put that in my back pocket. And I, I think I'll just maybe come back to that later. I think we all do it to a degree. So we do it to satisfy us and not glorify him. Yes, yeah, I, 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 I nodded my head. I apologize. <laughs> there was acknowledgement. <laughs> yes, I acknowledged. We I positively acknowledged the ball going back and forth. <laughs> that could be the ding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to what he says here too, I think it's interest, interesting when he talks about you know this this bitterness and this selfish ambition and this jealousy. He calls it demonic. Yeah, man, you mm-hmm. couldn't you couldn't word this any stronger. Then James words this, like he's telling you that this bad behavior comes from demonic entities at war over your soul. They are at war over you. And if they can't have your salvation, they, they want your productivity. They want you useless for the kingdom. And they're going to do anything they can. And they're going to war against you any way they can to make you impotent. Yep. And he's saying that if you give in to this behavior, you are in, you're not only impotent, impotent, you're misrepresenting the faith, yep. which is very dangerous. Yeah, I think that's... The reason he wrote with the verbiage that he did in this particular uh, chapter, because before he was writing brothers, saying brothers, but he goes as far to say adulterous. And in, 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 this, in this portion of the letter, I mean, he's very fired up about how important this is. And I think it comes through in the way he's writing the letter. Yeah. Just the verbiage he uses shows you just how important it really is. Yeah, actually, let's go ahead and read uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. 
And it says this, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be, friend, to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Mm. End quote. Pretty strong words. Yeah. Very strong. He words this very strongly throughout. Yes. And he, he, he makes it clear there is no blurring of the lines. You're either all in for God or all out. Like he says that if you're trying to keep one foot in Babylon and one foot in the kingdom of God, you're his enemy. That's, that's sobering. That's sobering. And it's not that James wants to remove your hope. He's just trying to get across to you that, yes, your God is gracious. Your God is loving. But guess what? He's also holy. His holiness didn't end at Calvary. That's what James is telling us here. His holiness did not end at Calvary. He's merciful. And he, as Psalm 23 tells us, his mercy pursues you, but to a purpose, to be guided back on his paths of righteousness. And we've got to stop resisting that. And he's telling these believers here that there, there are too many among them who are resisting this. And it all comes, I'm sorry, it all comes back to that discontentedness, yeah. covetousness. That's the source of their sin. Go ahead, I'm sorry. And I, and I agree, it stems off chapter 13, but I think it's important to, to note where the wars are. They're an internal battle. Yeah. It's an internal, I mean, yes, we do have battles, physical battles that we fight, you know, spiritual warfare that we see and we fight, but but this particular battle is a battle that is within. Yeah, your sin nature yeah, inside it's, you. It's within my it's in, it's this flesh that wants to desire to do these fleshly things, and yet God wants us to do these things. And so there's this constant war that Galatians talks about, this war between the spirit and the flesh, that battle, mm -hmm. you know, they're in conflict with one another and they battle with each other. And see, like, uh, read your first verse again. Verse one. Yep. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? In your members. Okay. Mine says within you. That's what mine Just says. Just generalized, yeah. Okay. Now, see, last night, whenever I was going through this, I was asked a question about the members part. What does members mean? And I, without even kind of hesitation, I said within your members of your body. Mm -hmm. But then it also could be the members of the 12 tribes or, you know, whatever whatever this letter was composed yeah, just the body of believers yes right. and so and i i got a dumbfounded look <laughs> like members of your body i was just like well you know i mean you th you think about it there's a war within us yes every day you know trying to figure out whether or not we're doing right or if you know we're we're fighting for god within us or if we're letting you know, the world overtake us for some aspects and then we're godly over here or, you know, it's a battle mm -hmm. every single day. And I mean, I, I go through it every single day, every, <laughs> every day. And, you know, sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. Yeah. And here lately, I, I 
feel like I've been losing a lot. And, um, but you've learned from those losses, haven't you, Sonny? Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's getting me more grounded and saying, Hey, you know, I need to start seeking God in these moments. I need to start, you know, Hey, help me out. I'm, I'm struggling right now, you know, but, uh, that was a big thing for me last night was I, I started underlining in my Bible. I was like members, members, members of your body, members of the church, members of this tribe, members of what, mm-hmm. what members? Cause I was, mm-hmm. I was really wanting to, to like hit that point. Cause I was, I was just like, I want to know which one it is. But then I was just like, well, it's kind of all, all right. I mean, it, doesn't matter which way you you look at it it can be the members of the church or members of the 12 tribes or pe- just people in general believers or members of your own self you know within your own being mm-hmm. so well, i think the context that we already established of the deeds your your outward behavior is really important in understanding that because i think i think what we're being pictured here is that there's this like you said micah this war within ourselves between the spirit and our flesh nature that's the the purpose of the war is to determine what you'll use your outward behavior to represent mm-hmm. so yes. so are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna allow your flesh nature to determine your actions or are you gonna cooperate with the spirit and allow him to determine your actions mm-hmm. right because right. you know like like jesus tells us in matthew 5 we'll get into next week or no actually it's mark 7 we're not going to get into that next week. I apologize. But in Mark, he, he sort of doesn't matter. But in Mark 7, he talks about, you know, <laughs> evil behavior starts from your heart. Yes. He said, it's not what goes into you that defiles you. It's what comes out that defiles you. And he's like, it all starts in your heart. Yes. It's, it's you, you know, when you are envious, like James is talking about here, when you're speaking evil of your brothers, when you're, when you're stealing, when you're, when you're doing wrong, it all starts from something in your heart and then pours out from you, and then it turns into an, out, an outward behavior, and that is what ultimately defiles you. When what's in your heart becomes what you do, then you're defiled, and you need the Spirit to cleanse you, right? To take his up and purge you of that, of that defilement and cleanse you and make you clean again so that your, your heart is aligned with the Spirit, aligned with the Father again, so that what pours out is the fruit of the Spirit instead of the fruit of your flesh. Well, James talks about that later on in, in the book here uh, of cleansing and washing of hands. and mm-hmm. He does. And that's a great point. Which is cool because, you know, our our Jewish brethren, starting today, at, at time of recording, are celebrating Hanukkah. Yes. And the whole purpose of Hanukkah, it's, you know, I encourage you to read. We were talking about, um, you know, extra biblical books. There's one that I would recommend, and that's the first Maccabees, because I think it's historically very important. Very important. We, we get a picture of the Antichrist and Antiochus Epiphanes in that book. Uh, you know, we get the story of, of why there was a Jewish people for Jesus to even be born into to begin with, because, you know, the Greeks were trying to stamp them out entirely. But it also tells us why they celebrate that, that holiday. And the purpose was Antiochus, this Greek ruler, had come in and he had defiled the temple. Now, I'm, 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 I'm explaining this because we are the temple now. So I think we get a spiritual lesson in this. So Antiochus had come in and he had set up an idol in the Holy of Holies to Zeus and he had defiled the temple. He even went so far as to sacrifice pigs on the altar, completely defiled it. When the Maccabees, the, the ones, the Jewish believers who fought against Antiochus, when they recaptured Jerusalem, they came to the temple and they were just in tears because of what had been done to Jerusalem and to the temple itself. So they rededicated it 
we have a we have a picture of what this would look like in Ezekiel chapter forty three. This this seven day period of rededication, and you know, followed by the eighth day when it's when it's purified again. So they had to go in. They had to remove all the all the. They had to take the idol out. They had to remove the impurities. They had to go through these these ritual processes of of reconsecrating the altar and purifying the altar and purifying the temple. And I think that's what happens in us. I think when we allow these this the evil behavior into our heart, it's like we're setting up an idol to ourselves. Because the underlying theme here for James is all of this sin. It's all based upon the idol of self. Yeah. You set yourself up as an idol. It's what you want, your pleasure, your desire rules what you do your plan yourself your own ego you set up an idol to yourself and your heart you claim outwardly and and verbally to serve god but really you're serving yourself you've set up an idol to yourself your your idol your 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 defiling idol in your heart is yourself and he's saying you have to remove that idol and you have to allow the spirit to cleanse your temple again and 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 reconsecrate and rededicate your temple so it can be utilized for its intended purpose again and we see how that changes our complete focus too. I mean, you know, it even gets into our prayer life because of these selfish ambitions and this war that's all about self and this selfless idol that we've placed up in us. And then he says, you, know, you do not have because you do not ask because you ask, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. So it even affects the aspect of our, of our walk with God or yeah. our prayer life, because now we're asking not on behalf of ever anybody else. We're not doing intercessory prayer, but we're asking selfishly, you know, God, give me a brand new truck or give me this brand, you know, we're asking for selfish things that aren't according to his will. And, and yeah, according think, to his will is really, yes. we're not even, we're not even really praying thou will be done yes. anymore. We're praying, I want this God, give this to yes. me. Yes. And I think sometimes we, we, you know, get our focus, you know, it even kind of stems into our prayer life where we're, the way we approach him is arrogant and, and selfish. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it all comes back to that lack of contentment. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't, it all comes back to that word yeah. contentment. If we were just content with the good shepherd and his, his, his providing for us, this wouldn't happen. Yeah. If we were just satisfied with what he has for us in the moment, we wouldn't be led to, to be jealous of our neighbor and to covet our neighbor and to be led into this sin. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking to myself here. I'm very guilty. I'm guilty. I, I see other people's calling, you know, and I'm tempted to be covetous of that. I see other people's houses and things, and I'm tempted to be covetous of that. I'm not innocent, guys. I'm I'm not. I'm very guilty. I think guilty. you're speaking probably for a lot of folks, Carl, because I'm right there in that same boat with an oar next to you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Me me as well. I, I look at other ministries and go, why is that successful? And why is, you know, and it's, I mean, we we compare not biblical things. We compare worldly things to our success and mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're very dang, we come in dangerous ground when we begin to apply worldly success to yes. our spiritual walk yeah so. you know i ended up doing the little bible study the zoom bible study last night yeah mm-hmm. and yes. the only person that showed up was my sister but it was seriously probably one of the most amazing conversations i've ever had with my sister that's, that's awesome. great yeah awesome so like it worked out exactly it, how it was supposed exactly. to like. yeah and like it she even she even brought it was kind of funny because what she like the verse uh she brought second peter something i can't remember i it's like second peter one five through seven i think and it correlated with my Philippians four eight, yeah, and like it was just like 
And you didn't say exactly, because I, I no. saw what you posted. You said your favorite verse from Philippians, but you didn't say which one. No. Yeah. And like it kind of correlated together with it. And I was just like, ah, ah, <laughs> it was one of those moments again. And I was just like, you know, and, you know, I was all, you know, I was wanting people to be there. And I was wanting, you know, I was wanting to have that, you know, that conversation and, you know, that kind of get to know some people and, and everything. And it was just me and my sister and it ended up turning out. That's awesome. Exactly what I needed, Exactly. you know? So God's good. He knows. Yeah. Yep. And he does, you know, I mean, I could have had that on the phone, but you know, it, it turned out that it was just, you know, that zoom meeting and stuff. And it was, it was pretty awesome. I loved it. Yep. Well, on that, you know, you're, you're exemplifying contentment. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, you're content that that worked out exactly how it was supposed to work out because I needed, I needed that conversation and she needed that conversation. And you're not looking at it like, why didn't 20 people come? Why didn't yeah. 40 people come? Why wasn't it successful? You're looking at it as it worked out perfect. Yeah. Exactly the way, exactly the way it happened was perfect according to his plan. That's a picture of being content. Yes. Looking at the situation and the circumstance and knowing his hand was in that and he orchestrated it exactly like it needed to be orchestrated to reach the person it needed to reach. Yeah. I'm satisfied. Yeah. And I mean, at first, you know, I was just like, oh, well, it's just my sister, you know, like my sister's going to be there for me. She's going to support me. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then like, then I, we kind of actually really started getting into the study and I started going through, you know, because I started breaking down each, each word of it and you know giving definition of it and why why that kind of correlates with my life or how you know because that's what i do like i correlate the word to my life and how it applies and education is important you know in each and every way and like a lot of times especially like james is really harsh <laughs> i mean when you break it down james is harsh and I mean, I feel that like, and then I, I feel that, um, you know, that conviction and like, Hey, how could this be better? How could this be better? How can I apply this and make this better for him? Mm -hmm. You know, am I being, am I pleasing him? You know, that's always that's kind of always in the back of my mind, you know, and especially with, you know, this covetousness and, and being able to, you know, I, like, I want things like I have goals in my mind where I should be, but then I have goals in mind that are probably achievable, mm -hmm. you know, and then I have dreams that are, you know, extravagant, <laughs> but you know, and there's, there's things that are, is it what he want, wants for me? You know, and I always try to, am I making him happy by being this way or feeling this way? Or is it in his will? Or is it, you know, possibly am I trying to control things? Am I trying to be able to, you know, please myself or have this certain thing that I want or being able to do this or that or the other. Mm -hmm. It's confusing. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad thing to evaluate. Are, are we doing what pleases him? Are we behaving in a way that, that he approves of? 
but it needs to be approached balanced yes. as well because the enemy can use that and tip it into the to the guilt spectrum where it it holds you back and, you know I, yeah. I think it's rare that we see that we handle that in in the balanced way that he probably wants us to to yes evaluate but to keep moving forward because too often we go you know, very hard on the right hand side of that path where we're just so guilty of everything that we don't move at all, or we go so far on the left hand path that we don't evaluate it all because it's all grace all the time and he doesn't care. And we don't treat him like a holy, like a holy God. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that right. there, there does need to be that, that balance in between. So I don't think it's bad that you evaluate. I think that is a good thing. Just as long as it's not turning into everything I do is wrong all the time. Cause I've, I've walked that road. I've been yeah. there and it's not, and it's I not was, productive. And I was asked the question, you know, who do you like, who are you trying to compare yourself to? And I'm just like, I'm not trying to compare myself to anyone. It's what God says. And you're absolutely right there. When you start yeah. comparing yourself to others, that's when you run into problems. Yes. Every because time. I, I'm like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that I've, I covet, or want what other people have. I think I just, I want what God wants. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, whenever you don't know what that is, then it's still like, I don't understand, you yeah. know, but I'm not envious of what other people have. I just am in a place where I don't know what God wants or where the road is leading. So mm -hmm. whenever it's in the veil, hasn't been able to come up yet and be able to be like, ha. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, I'm, I love, I love how it, um, do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? Like, because sometimes I read something. Oh, that, in verse five? Yeah. Oh, did I go, did I just? No, that's okay. Let me, let me go ahead and read that because that's the next okay. part I want to talk about. Verse five, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Okay, go ahead. And the scriptures, they, they always talk to me in different ways. You know, one, one can, can convict me. One can give me hope. One can give me love. One can give me understanding. Um, and that's always, it's always different. Like in James, James is harsh. It gives me a lot of conviction, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, being able to, because I was thinking, you know, I've been doing all this stuff for myself to try to keep myself busy and, and everything. And then I was, I was told, you know, that's, I don't think that that's necessarily you being, you know, covet or you know like trying to want things or you know putting that before god i think that's actually god letting you be able to bless you and be able to you know try to say hey you know you're where you're supposed to be you're where you're at you you know i understand that you have this issue but i want to try to help you through it and still bless you at the same time mm -hmm. so and I, I have, I have this person in my life that really I can bounce ideas off of and they come back at me with it. And it's just like, well, I didn't see it in that aspect. You know, I didn't see it in that light. And, you know, I do the same thing. You know, they, they're just like, well, 
wow, where did you come up with that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I've always seen things differently. And, but the, the scriptures, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? I, I feel that because sometimes I, I kind of, I always feel something from, from them one way or the other. And there's only been a few times in my life that scriptures didn't speak to me. And one of them was just not that long ago. It was, I think it was last week. And it was just like, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I didn't know where to go. And then I reread it. And then I was just like, oh, it took, it took a little bit for me to, to get to the point to where I was like, okay, that's where that applies. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes he'll wait until it has the most impact when it, when, it, when we reach that point where it's going to impact the most, we're more prone to remember it. Mm -hmm. Remember the lesson that he had as opposed to, Oh, that was a, that was a cool lesson. And then two hours later you forgot what he had to say. Yeah. And see, I know you guys like dig deep and in, back into the actual like past about it and like where they're at and see me, I'm just, I'm, weird i guess <laughs> i just kind of i apply it to my life i apply it to where i'm at and where i go with it well not say it's, it's not so much that that we're going back to the past i think it's important to approach the text as though it's timeless it's inspired right. by a timeless god therefore the text itself is timeless and yeah the, I, I i believe the context is important i yes. think too often we approach the text without context and that creates pretext so i think it is important to establish context right and what they're talking about but that doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to you and your situation individually oh, no. it's absolutely a living text yeah no, i think I it's would, no go ahead i think it's important to understand how we define contentment too right you mm -hmm. know in this context we're talking about contentment as it relates to stuff right correct and I think sometimes we can be content with our spiritual walk, and that's yeah. not a good thing. Oh, yeah, too content. Where we, where like, we just kind of we kind of set the cruise control, and we just kind of coast. And you've talked about that on your other podcast. And you're going through the motions and checking the boxes, and all those all those related things that we talk talk about. You know, those things, checking the boxes, going through mm -hmm. the motions. But I think it's important to know that you know we should always desire more from God, yes, and desire Him to use us in a in a big way. Um, one of my points yesterday was God wants to radically change your life and he will radically change your life. Yeah. Maybe not in the way that you expect or the way that you want him to, but he will radically change your life yeah. if you let yeah. him. Well, I think that's really important because it's not, I think it's important to recognize it's not the desire for things. Yes. It's a sin. Uh, you know, remember Job, when he lost everything at the end of it, God gave him way more than he had before. Yeah. Blessing with things is not, it, being blessed with things is not a sin. Correct. Right. And he wouldn't bless us with things if, it would, if, if they weren't things that we wanted. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. That's not the problem. I think the key, the key phrase here in understanding is where he says, let me find it here. Where does he say it? The bitterness part. Oh, that was back 13. up in verse yeah. 13. Yeah, 13. chapter 13 yeah. or chapter three. Chapter three, verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy, mm -hmm. it's the bitterness. Yes. Right. It's when it's when your desire for things gets so out of control that you become bitter and jealous of those around you. That's when it becomes a problem. And that's that's really the sin he's dealing with here. It's not it's not the desire for stuff. Right. It's 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 the obsession with stuff yes. that leads to a bad heart condition uh, poured out upon your neighbor. That's really what he's dealing with here. So yeah, like you said, Micah, you know, you know, coveting, coveting more, coveting a closer relationship to God is not bad. 
Right. It's good to covet to to covet a closer relationship with your father. He wants that. Yes. And we're going to see that when I dig in a little bit more on verse five here, because he covets that with us. Mm-hmm. It's the form of jealousy he's dealing with here. Yes. It's 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 a twisted demonic form of jealousy that leads to bitterness. That's the problem. Correct. And see, and that's that's been part of my struggle here lately. Is I've felt like I should be doing more. Felt like I should be out there doing something. You know. But let's hit that street I, corner with that guitar, brother. <laughs> and, and I mean, like, it's just more or less of like, I, you know, I mean, I go to church on Sunday, you know, I come here and do the podcast. I kind of, you know, I, I do my daily readings and stuff and post them and everything. And, and, you know, there's been a few days where I haven't even done that, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's just like, I I feel like there's something else. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there's something more out there that, I'm not getting like I'm not doing or, you know, I'm just, there's something, there's something more. Yeah. And I won't disagree with you on that. Cause that, that very well could be the, the, the spirit telling you, drawing you to do more for him. Yeah. He absolutely will do that. Just don't let the enemy come in and twist that into what I'm doing. Isn't good enough. Mm. Cause that's, right. that's where the enemy will come in and twist with the father's drawing you to do and try to get you to to lose your proper focus into self-loathing. I'm not what I'm doing isn't good enough and then you've 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 lost the plot. Right. You know what I mean? You've completely yeah. lost the plot at that. But which is what the enemy wants. He wants you to lose the plot. Right. You know, and he'll he'll feed you half truths to get you to lose the plot. Yeah. You know, I keep coming back though, Carl, to what Sonny's saying. I've been there and I'm I'm there now. I want to do more, but am I ready to do more? Mm-hmm. Is he you know I get that, Carl, or Sonny, whoever you are. <laughs> I, I get that. Because, I mean, I've had this conversation with Carl. Man, I, wa- I want to go out there and I want to save the world. But maybe I ought to start by saving my community and work up. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of something that I read a couple of days ago. And I'm paraphrasing, but it was very simple. And I think it's very true. If we sit around waiting until we're ready and we're equipped, we'll never do anything. Because the truth is, anytime he calls you to do something, he's going to call you to do something that you are not equipped and never will be equipped to do. Because if, if that was the case, then you could take the credit. He's going to call you to do something that only he can do through you. I, f- I firmly believe that. I think this right? was one of those big moments for me. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like he pushed me into this and. Bro, I'm an awkward, weird person. Uh, I am. Like when, yes, I, is. <laughs> when I talk to people and it's not like, like, you know, in this format, like I usually, I don't like making eye contact with people. I don't like interacting with people. I don't like talking to people. This is way outside of my comfort zone. I am yeah. not equipped for this sort of calling and I never will be. It's, I can only accomplish something like this because the spirit is working through, which means I get no credit. It's not because I'm intellectual. It's not because I'm articulate. It's not because I'm good at this. It's because the spirit is working through me and he gets all the credit. The most high gets all the credit, not me. If he used somebody that was perfectly articulate, then they could steal credit for themselves. He won't do that. And we see that pictured in Gideon. Mm -hmm. He worked at the the military down to just five or I'm sorry, 300 people because he didn't want the people to say, well, yeah, it might've been God that did that. But really, you know, we had a pretty good military force and they were pretty well trained and it was, it was a one-to-one ratio. And, you know, we probably just outmaneuvered the enemy. Now he wanted it to be a situation where no, there was no physical way they could have won that battle. That was only through the most high. 
Now you said something uh, earlier about your battles, Sonny. You talked about how, you know, sometimes I win the battle, sometimes I don't. I think we get a really important lesson through Jehoshaphat on that. Because yeah. it's something that I, I talked about on the round table recently that, you know, he brought something to my attention that wasn't clean in my heart. And it's something that I thought I had beat. And I mentioned on the round table that I thought I beat it. I. Yeah. I thought I beat that. I thought I won that battle. Now, Jehoshaphat, when he's being, his, his kingdom's being threatened by, uh, was it the Assyrians? And it was a much, much stronger military force. There's no way Jehoshaphat could have marshaled a military force to beat him. The Assyrians were, if it was, whatever military, I think it was the Assyrians, whatever military force it was, they were more technologically advanced. They had more soldiers. They were better trained. They had already conquered other empires. There's no way that Jehoshaphat could have won. His first reaction was to be terrified. That's natural. That's not a sin. His second reaction was to go straight to the temple and inquire of God. He went to him. And his third reaction was to obey the voice of the Most High when he told him to do something that made no sense whatsoever. Mm. And that was to take your people, to not worry about pulling your sword out because you're not going to win this battle, to send the singers out front and start worshiping. And he marched out to the enemy camp and worshiped. And when they started worshiping, the Most High moved on the enemy camp and caused confusion and caused them to kill each other to the last man. Mm. He won the battle. Jehoshaphat didn't pull his sword. He didn't marshal up a military force that was capable of winning. He didn't outmaneuver him. He wasn't strategically brilliant. He just went and he worshiped the Most High and he said, I can't win this battle. I need you to. I need you to do all the work. I need you to win this battle because I can't do it. I think that's a lesson for us in our spiritual battles and and what James is talking about, our war against the flesh. We're not going to win that. We're not going to win that battle. The only thing we can do is like we talked about last week with the sheep and shepherd dichotomy. Be the sheep that just cries out and says, I can't, I can't win this. I can't beat this wolf. I'm helpless. I'm helpless and hopeless without my good shepherd. I need you to win the battle for me. Mm-hmm. We have to let the spirit win. I think it's all down to that word surrender. Yeah. I really do. These, these people that James is writing to haven't fully surrendered because their covetousness, their covetousness won't allow them to. Because they kind of like the, they kind of like the flesh a little too much. I think we we've got to get to a place where we love our father more than we love our flesh. Mm. Also, in verse five, there I'm going to read that again. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. I think he's contrasting jealousy here. I think it's interesting that he uses that word. It can also be tra- translated as lust to envy, but it's a, form of, it's, a, it's a form of jealousy. So he's framing the people and their wicked jealousy for things, right? Their jealousy of their neighbor. And he's reminding them that God is jealous for us. Yes. And it really reminds me of a, of a Hebrew name he gives for himself. I'm going to, it's only found, I think, six times in the entire Hebrew scripture. But one of those times is in Exodus chapter 30. And I reference this because I, I suspect that James might have had this in mind. But it's Exodus chapter 30, verse 14, and he says, Oh, nope, it's not that. That is absolutely not what that says. Incorrect. It's totally incorrect. Um, maybe. 
Since we're not video, I'll give you a play-by-play. Carl is feverishly <laughs> flipping through the pages of the Bible, looking for what he'd like to say. I found it. He found it. Here we go. Back to Carl. <laughs> it's Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, and it says, For you shall not worship any other god, for Yahweh, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. He repeats a Hebrew word twice there that's only found six times total. It's Elkanah. So, so it's, for you shall not worship any other God, for Yahweh, whose name is Kana, is El Kana. And it's only referenced, it's, yes, it's jealous, but it's, that, that really, is, it doesn't convey the, the true meaning there. It really comes down to what I've talked about before, that he won't share us. Anytime it references him as being El Kana or a jealous God, it's always in reference to idolatry, how we want to set up idols in place of our worship of him. And I think it kind of comes back to what we talked about setting up this idol of self in our heart. Mm. And he's saying, I'm jealous of that. I want all of you. That's what the most high is saying here. He doesn't want part of us. He doesn't want half of us. He wants all of us. Right. And he's not going to stop pursuing us until he has all of us. It's not a wicked form of jealousy. It's that he loves us. He created us so that we could be in perfect fellowship with him. And he's not going to stop until he has that. And James is saying, you're resisting this. Because you're so covetous, covetous, and you lack such contentment that you won't give all of yourself to the Most High. Mm. You're not giving yourself to Him, and it shows in your behavior. That's what James is saying. Do you think you'd also be talking about pride? Oh, 100%. This is you know, anytime we talk about self, it, it comes back to the sin of pride. Yeah, because in Proverbs 16, 18, 19, he talks about pride. You know, goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder within the proud. Mm. So the cure for evil desires is humility, is what I think. I agree. It always has to start with with greatly humbling yourself in the presence of the Most High and admitting that there's a problem and being specific about what that problem is. Yes, Carl, do you think people are aware of how to humble themselves. I mean, I went through several definitions of, of, of humble last night and I couldn't land on one that I could really vocalize that would help people understand how to be humble in front of the Lord. Well, I don't think it's an outward ritualistic show. I really think it comes down to just to, a, to admitting. The yeah, I think it comes down to just really being raw and transparent and open and honest with him about what the problem is. Not that he doesn't know what the problem is, but he needs to see you take a step in acknowledging it. it that was going to be my point there, was it you acknowledging it to him, because mm-hmm. he already knows. And that's the thing, is he already understands and knows why and sees everything he's within us he knows even things that we don't and once we understand that about ourselves that's that's the understanding that's the humbleness i agree and whenever we understand that about ourselves and then we give that to him good bad whatever then that's humbling ourselves to god Mm -hmm. well speaking just for me I think sometimes, you know, when you read the scriptures, it's all about application of the scripture. And I can't help but wonder if I'm stuck on some of that, there's got to be many others out there that are having the same problem. 
And sometimes it's hard to find a source that you can go to to properly use the scripture. And I've kind of circled back around to the point that it's meditation on the scripture that's going to give you the application to do so. But so many people don't read the word and rely on those around them to help them with that application. I don't know where I'm going with this. It was just, it just hit me and I I wanted to say something about that. So I don't Mm -hmm. know what to say about that. I think teachers are important. Right, because that's that's how we sharpen one another. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have greater understanding than than I am on certain points, Micah, and maybe vice, possibly, maybe every once in a while, vice versa. I don't know, and you know, you Most know, that likely. would apply <laughs> that would apply to anybody. You know, <laughs> teachers are important, yeah. but I think I think we err toward over depending upon human teachers to the point where we don't dig in on our own. Yeah. We don't even we don't test what what we're being taught, and I think that's important too, and uh, that can lead us astray. I think one of the definitions that I found on humility that really hits with me is is that humility is not thinking of your thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I like that. Yeah. Ooh, I other, do like that. In other words, it's not thinking of our thinking less because I think sometimes we think humility is beating beating ourselves up, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not worth it. I'm not this. I'm not this. I, you know, I'm a failure in every way, and we kind of beat ourselves up and say, like, "Well, I'm just being humble." Well, humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's just thinking of ourselves less. Yeah. We're not puffing ourselves up. Yeah. You know, we're, we're doing what God has called us to do. And God has called a lot of us, all of us to do great things for him. Mm-hmm. And, and when we do that, we are to boast in him and to boast in those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't, you know, that reminds me of what John the Baptist said. I, you know, I must become less and less. Yeah. He must become more and more. Mm-hmm. John yeah. the Baptist, he, he, he answered the call placed upon his life. He took the limelight when it was necessary. You know what I mean? When the when the yes. Most High had him in the limelight, he did what he was supposed to do. And when the Most High said, your time's done, he said, yep. my time's done. I must become less and less. He must become more and more. And he willi- willingly submitted himself even unto death. I mean, we talked about Elijah earlier, you know, the the moment where he's kind of struggling and he's running from Jezebel and he's, you know, he's in this discouragement state and God comes and ministers to him. But right before that, he's on Mount Carmel. So that would be like the highlight <laughs> yeah. of the, I mean, that would be like the climax of the, awesomeness of fire breathing down from heaven and lapping up the altar. And so, you know, you see in both, in both cases that, you know, there are times that God does want us in that position, not for our glory, but for his glory. Absolutely. So. But I think sometimes people have a problem discerning. I think so too. I think there's a fine line there. Okay. Yes. This is for his glory, but you know what? This feels pretty good for me too. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the, the big pitfall. Yes, I agree. It's not, it's not looking at ourselves and, you know, sometimes we, you know, take it as for what, you know, God gave you, gave us that moment, you know, to honor him with, but yeah, we use it as a selfish, we twist it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, we become, then we become prideful and look, look what I did. Look how prideful. Yeah. Look how everybody was looking at me when I did this act for God. Yeah, <laughs> He's right. like, well, no, that's not, that's not, that's not it. That's why I think the apostles constantly, you know, why, you know, think of Peter and John in Acts 3 where they heal that lame man and he goes and walks and leaps and praises God and, you know, it causes a big stir. And they're like, why are you looking at us as if we've done something great? It's it's all about God. It's yeah. not us. It's mm-hmm. his power working through us. It's not about us. And I think that's where we need to be. You have Absolutely. those moments where God uses us in big ways like you're talking about and that has us in the limelight. 
but to understand that limelight is for his glory. Mm-hmm. It's not for our. We did nothing. Yes. And exactly. it won't be every second of every day. Exactly. We need to remain, you know, obviously be content when he is using us in a big, powerful way. But yes. be happy but also, when we're on the bench. Exactly. Be content. Yes. Yeah. When you're on yes. the bench, that's a great yep. way to put it. Yep. Be content when you're on the bench too. And cheer on those that are in the limelight when you're not. Yes. See, that's, that's when I talk about, you know, how you can be discontented in your calling and you look at other people's calling with jealousy. That's the issue is when you're not in the limelight, when you're sitting on the bench, you look at the ones that are, and instead of cheering them on, and I'm guilty of this, you're fault finding. You're fault finding them and you're tearing them down. And you're, you know, anytime you tear somebody down, it's always, it's always to build yourself up. And that is ugly. Yeah. That is hideous. And that needs to be, that that's a war that we need to let him, that we need to let him fight right now. And just that we need to beat that down. I, I agree with you. I mean, cause I'm guilty. I've been guilty of that. And to be honest, sometimes I'm even hoping that something goes wrong that I may come up off the bench. I've been like that too. Yeah. You, you hope that you almost, you catch yourself in that moment, hoping they'll trip. So, Hey, I'm ready. Send me in coach. Yeah. But, and I don't know if that's a bad thing. I mean, we should be desired. Wanting to go in. Yeah. 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 Wanting to go in, but not at the expense of somebody else. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that that desire to God use me, you know, use me in this, this big way. You know, I'm, you know, right now I'm the, basketball team or a sixth guy or I'm I'm riding the bench right now, but you know, the time comes where I want to play. You know, I want to yeah. get in there and 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 do like you're talking about. Like yeah. you Sonny's been talking about this whole podcast. And that I want to do something for God. I want to see him see him work and I want that desire to see him Yes. Work in my life. We need to be to a place where we're we're so team minded rather than self minded that when we're on the bench we're cheering just as passionately for the ones on the court as yes. the as the fans are. Yep. But when we're called in to play, we need to be playing just as hard as they were. Yes. Yeah. Right. But you know what I mean? But we yeah. need to be cheering them when we're not on the court. Yeah. That's passionately. Hard. That's hard to combat though, Carl. It's, when it the is. whole when the whole world is out there saying, Hooray for me and yeah. you know what for you and Yeah. Uh, we're we're not teaching that to our young. No, we have a celebrity obsessed culture, and that that has they have become our royalty in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, not that I'm bashing the royals. I'm just saying we. Sonny, I'm ashamed. <laughs> Hey, I don't have my beard no more to where I can <laughs> rub it on the microphone. So I, I, I got to use my coffee cup. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. There you go, Chris. You have to do that anyway because yeah, you're, perfectly you're, for you're filling buddy. Chris's role, so you yeah. got to do that anyway. So. But um, <laughs> he did it better than Chris. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was, that was, <laughs> but I, I, I'm I joking, just, Chris. <laughs> no, nobody rubs that beard better than you do. <laughs> That's not what they said when we weren't recording, Chris. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, I, I just, I just feel that we need to combat the world's message and and replace it with the true message. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's so hard to do when you've got media against you, you've got print against you, yes. you've got bloggers against you. I mean, culture, culture is against you. You know, we've talked, Carl and I and others have talked many times about how do you tell the difference between someone who is a Christian and who is not a Christian? You're not called to blend in. You're called to stand out. Yes. Sir. Yeah. Be holy so, as I'm holy. Yes. And it's, it's something I think about all the time. Do I want to blend in or do I want to stand out? Mm. I mean, if the worst thing someone says to me, he was a follower of Christ. Great. Good. Well, <laughs> put that on my tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> and understanding how he defines standing out, because I think there's, there's, a, there's a danger there of just everything in the world is evil and wrong. So I need to almost be like an aesthetic or a, mm. a, a Gnostic and just anything that feels good. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna forsake that just for the sake of standing out. And that's where that's where it's so important to come back to how does he define being holy? Yes. How does he define standing out, stand out in that way? And pretty much, I mean, that's I mean, it goes into the scripture of, you know, the the narrow path, the narrow road. There's there's one way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that narrow way is here. Yeah. You know, that's our guide. That's our Size referring to the to the word by the yeah, way. Word. Yeah. Well, he held his smartphone, so we're <laughs> my, all assuming my, he meant my the Bible. phone. My phone that has the Bible app. Open. <laughs> <laughs> like that, to draw that's my Bible. Here. That's my Bible right now. Um, but you know, that's that's our that's our goal. That's our our guardrails, like you were saying earlier. Yeah. I mean, you the know? guardrails are so important. We we pass by them on the road all the time. And go, oh, there they are. Yeah, but I tell you they're what, they're, they're there lives. to keep us from going yeah. over the cliff. Yeah. And Jesus is our guardrail yeah. to keep us from going over the cliff. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's the thing. That it's the straight and narrow. You know, and and you know, we'll we'll end up leading off and going off our own little path, and then hopefully it'll end up coming back around, and we'll get back on there. And you know, I mean, it's and like I always I always think of the the river about how little tributaries and everything go on different paths and everything. And then it all ends up leading into one body of water. And then, you know, the body of water, who is that? You know, Depends out where you are in the world, I guess. Well, I'm referring to, I know where you were. I was just, <laughs> <being sarcastic. laughs> uh, you know, the, <laughs> do I need to spell this out? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, I, I, I don't know why I, I just always think of that you know, the paths and little tributaries and little rivers and streams. And then it all turns into one body of water. Well, you know, I think like this, if you ever watch sheep, they wander around like they don't have a clue where they're going. Yeah. They're prone to wander. And yet when the shepherd calls and moves his sheep, regardless of where they are, they find their path back to him. I, I think it's a great representation of how we behave mm-hmm. at times. You know, we're off doing our thing over here. We're all happy. We're eating this grass, doing our thing. And then all of a sudden we're called back and sheep come back. They obey. Yep. And that's what we're commanded to do. Yep. Yeah. They know the master's voice. Yep, yes. Absolutely. And obedience is not a dirty word. Nope. Good deeds is not a dirty phrase. And too often in the churches, we, we, we have it framed that way and we've got to get past that. He gives us a standard for a reason. He gives us the guardrails for a reason and we need to stop disrespecting that. Verse six. And and this is a cool story too. So Sonny last week, uh, I had you just bring in whatever you wanted to bring in as far as like a Bible study. And you brought in that reference from Peter. Mm -hmm. You remember that? Mm Mm-hmm. And he had already kind of brought me to James 4 a couple of times, and Micah even mentioned James 4. Mm-hmm. And then I read through this, and then I read this next, these next couple of verses. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Mm-hmm. James is either James or Peter, one or the other, is almost directly quoting each other yeah. in that reference that you brought last week from Peter. I thought that was so cool. The, that, again, that tapestry. Yeah, uh, you know, this, we just the master plan. Yeah, he just he he it's has just, his people at the same place at the same time so often, yeah. and it's so cool to see that it keeps just intertwining. Mm-hmm. It, like it's almost like a braid. You know, you you end up 
going into another braid and yeah, and another braid and then another braid. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's weird. You have to you have to be in awe of it because I can't get my wife ready for church on time. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be. Therefore is important. Also, whenever you come to therefore, you always need to ask why is it therefore. Yep. Right. And it always, it, it's, it's always in the context of the, the verses that came before it. So he's telling us what submitting to God means. Right. And he's also, he's, he's giving us what humility looks like. And humility looks like suppressing this evil jealousy and this evil bitterness that's ruling our heart. This, this desire for what other people have, that's what this form of humility looks like. And submitting to God is humbling yourself in his presence and admitting that there's a problem there. And that's how we resist the devil, by the way. Yes. You know, we, we don't resist the devil by wrestling back with him. <laughs> we resist the devil by running to the shepherd, crying out for help and humbling ourselves in his presence. That's how we resist the devil. That's how James frames it, at least. Yes. You think of Jesus in the wilderness when he was tempted. How did he combat the devil and his temptation with the word of God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. According to scripture. So, yeah, so we've got to get back to those, those I truths. agree. Yeah. There's something I wanted to bring up when we were talking about three, and I'll get off this real quick. It struck me. Uh, God will never provide for uh, squandering. Hmm. So, you know, it, he's going to make sure you have what you need, but he's not going to provide you to squander and waste it on pleasures of the, of the world. That hit me last night when I was reading that, and I wanted to bring that up and forgot to. So I guess it wasn't didn't hit me too hard. <laughs> but uh, anyway, sorry. No, you're good. Back on track. All right, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Again, I, I, actually, that's the verse. It was submit yourself and then that, that humble and he will exalt it that Peter and James are directly quoting. And again, he's explaining what this humility looks like. When you have been tied up into sin, when you've unhitched from God's standard and you've hitched yourself to sin, this is what humbling yourself looks like. So we, we've talked about what does humble, humble yourself look like? When you know that you are, you are, you are bound up by this sin, don't come to, to the presence of God laughing with a big grin. Hey, hey, God, I messed up again. Sorry. I'll try to do better next time. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, bring yourself low. Yes. Weep over your sin. Mourn over your sin. Show him you're sorry. Yes. When you, when you come and you confess your sin, be genuinely sorry for it. It's not just about saying sorry. It's about showing that you truly are, that you truly regret it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, guilt has its place. And, you know, James is showing that here. Guilt over the things that we do wrong does have its place as long as we don't let it get so out of control that we stay there. We do have to trust and believe that when we do confess our sins, when we, when we do humble ourselves, like James is saying, that he's faithful and just to forgive us. His love covers, covers, covers over a multitude of our sins, but we have to be serious about confessing it specifically. Like you said, Sonny, James is real raw. It is. He's real raw and real blunt, but I think it's mm-hmm. important. Verse 11, and again, this is all in the same context, right? This is, this is where I, chapter breaks and verse breaks are good for citation. They're not good in the sense that we treat it like it divorces individual verses from the context. 
because it doesn't. All of this is one continuous thought. It's important to remember that this is all one continuous thought. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. Every time it says speak against there, it's katalalehu in Greek, and it literally means to speak evil of or to slander. I think it's important to understand how strong that term actually is. He's saying that when you judge in this way, you're speaking evil of the law you claim to uphold. I think the context is important. These are believers. He's not talking to non-believers here. He's talking to believers. And I believe these believers are giving lip service to the law. They're giving lip service to Jesus. They claim to serve him, and they probably even claim that their behavior is justified somehow. They're probably trying to justify their behavior. Well, they're taking out their true judge, and we know who the true judge and lawgiver is. Right. Exactly right. And I think think this testifies to the fact that these people are probably using the law to justify their behavior. And I also think this is why I mentioned this about not cherry picking verses, because it would be easy to cherry pick verse 11 here and say, see, all judgment is always wrong. Judging your neighbor is always wrong, no matter what the context is. Well, if that's the case, James is the ultimate hypocrite based upon what we just read in the verses previous, because he went so far as to call them adulteresses. Mm -hmm. Like his language toward them was very harsh and what we would call judgmental. So clearly he's not talking about calling out sin, because that's what James is doing. Clearly, he's not talking about pointing at individual believers and saying this behavior is awful and it needs to be repented of because that's what James is doing here. Yep. But if we, if we attach this to the context, this whole context is prideful, jealous ambition, right? He established that context that it's jealous ambition leading to bitterness. So I think that's, we have to connect that context to the form of judgment he's talking about here. I believe he's talking about the sort of judgment that seeks to tear down your brother, in order to build yourself up. Right. I think that's what he's talking about here, the sort of judgment that is just a fault-finding sort of judgment that just seeks, I'm on the bench and I don't like it. And I don't like that he got picked to be on the court right now, so I'm going to nitpick everything he does, and I'm going to tear him down until the coach puts me in at his, at his expense. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And use the law as a means to Do self-justify. So. Mm-hmm. so he's not. James isn't speaking against the law. He says that their behavior actually speaks evil of the law. So he's framing the law in a positive light. He's framing their behavior in the negative light. That's important within the law. So it's not the law that's the problem here. It's their misuse of the law. By their behavior, they're slandering the law and they're causing causing non-believers to see their behavior and their behavior from their perspective makes the law and makes Jesus honestly look bad. And he's saying that you need to correct your behavior because your witness is terrible right now. Your witness is destroying the gospel message. Just like the salt that lost its saltiness. Exactly right. Or the lamp. The lamp put under a shade. Shade, yeah. I say this is why context is so important and in reading the overarching context when we come to these verses because it's so easy to rip these verses out of context to promote a message that just isn't biblical and it's certainly not the message that James is conveying. Because you cannot use this verse to say that all form of judgment or, or calling out sin is always bad because that's exactly what James is doing here. Mike, I'm going to ask a question. I know it's a little off topic, but for our listeners, Carl has brought up context many times. And it's very important. Where could they go to find the context that the scripture is speaking about, like James' letter? I, I have commentary books. I have lots of other things. So I understand the context. But if you were to direct someone... So they have a better understanding of the word, the context of the word. What would you recommend? 
Well, I think most importantly is looking at the verses before and after. I mean, commentaries are good. Yes. And, and they, they give, give light, um, but we have to realize that the commentaries are not inspired. Right. And so I think it's important to, when you see verses like these, to look at the verses prior to that, even sometimes the chapters, sometimes even the books. This, yeah, sometimes yeah. even the books before that to yeah. kind of understand what this what this book is actually talking about. You know, what the what is the theme of the writer and what he's trying to the message he's trying to portray. And when we pull a verse that's contrary to that message, then I think that's when we get into trouble because mm-hmm. we've pulled it out of context. And so I think, I think yes, uh, you know, commentaries are good. And I think, you know, other people, other scholars, other biblical scholars, we do have to realize that those are footnotes and that's their understanding right. of the scriptures. And so that's not necessarily inspira- inspired. Um, and and but, my, but, my, my important thing is, is, is allow the spirit to guide you. I know that's I know that's generic, and I know that sounds like a political answer, but it's really it's really not. It's no, allowing it's the not. spirit to to guide us and say, okay, God, what is it that you want me to learn from this passage? Right. Because but, I think what Sonny said is is important, and and we've all done that where we've read the passage and we go, huh, that don't really speak to me. That don't really get anything out of that. Right. And then you read at it an hour later or a couple hours later, and you go, oh, that's what he's trying to tell me. I think, you know, what you said, God gives us those, those inspirations and those moments of what he wants us to learn at the time. So I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that, Mike. I was just sitting here thinking, how do we keep someone from becoming disengaged from the word because they don't understand what they're reading and maybe in their journey, they're they're, they're just not there yet. Sure. And I think that's where godly pastors, you know, godly pastors and teachers come into play. I think there is a, a place for that. Yes, we need to study on our own and learn on our own. Yes. And we should be. Yeah. And you know, not relying on what just what they say, but I think they help guide. I think they're Correct. there for a reason. They help us kind of point to and help us in our understanding of those things. For me anymore, it's all about wanting to make sure that there is help out there for everyone. Yes. And I I want to get the word out there so that they know that they're you know they're struggling with something. There's got to be a commentary, a pastor, a mentor, someone that they should be able to reach out to and say, hey, help me with this. I'm really struggling to understand this. Well, I would say, you know, if I was going to answer that question, I would say it's it's twofold. First and foremost is if you want to have a proper understanding of the full biblical text, then you need to make sure that your Bible isn't dusty. You know what I mean? <laughs> Pick it you up. Know, too many, you know, they'll, they'll read certain parts of the Bible. And I've been guilty of this in the past. You know, we'll, we'll stay in the letters of, from Paul and never get into the underlying context of what Paul's saying. Well, how are you going to understand? Paul's, Paul's writing about, largely he's writing about a proper understanding of what the, what, the, what the law means, what the temple worship was pointing us to, you know. How can you understand that if you refuse to, to read what he's writing about? You're never going to understand, you know, a lot of time, Paul's commentating. You're never going to understand a commentary if you refuse to read the text that is, they're commentating on. So if you keep the front half of your Bible dusty, you're never going to understand. Right. And very often, Scripture explains Scripture. Yes. If there's a concept that you don't understand, usually it's because it's explained in greater detail somewhere else in Scripture. So you, you need to cross-reference I think that's important. Yes. I think digging into the, in a, you know, I wouldn't lean exclusively on this because it's it's a complex it's a complex topic. But I do think it is important to understand what the original wording 
the Greek meant. Yes, I do. Because mm. translate translator bias is a real thing. You know, c- compare your translation to the message Bible and, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Translator bias is real. It exists. So I think it is important to, to study that out I independently. Would agree with that. And I also think to answer your question, I don't think you can point to one commentary and say this helps with the context of the entire Bible, because I think it's I a case by case basis. For example, James here, and it's, it's good that James is so specific, so we don't have to worry about the issues that he was dealing with. But because his letter was so broad based, we can't really look at a specific issue they were dealing with. But when we look at letters written by Paul, because they were regional we can study the history of those regions to understand what kind of heresies he was dealing with so that we understand the context of what he's saying. Because it's important to remember that Paul wasn't writing to your Baptist church down the street. Yeah. He was writing to specific congregations at a specific point in time that were dealing with specific issues. Yeah. So it's important to understand what those issues were to understand why he words himself the way he does so that we don't pull his, him out of context like we too often do. Right. And, you know, again, even with Jesus, we look at him, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, at one point he's interacting with a blind beggar on the street, but in the next, in the, in the next segment, he's, he's interacting with Pharisees. Mm-hmm. So if you don't understand what the Pharisees were teaching and what their heresy actually was, you're not probably going to understand the back and forth that they're having. Yes. So in that instance, it's important to understand like the context of what they actually taught and where they actually went astray to understand why he's rebuking them. That's why I brought this up actually. And, and, and asked the that culture, question. yeah, the culture in which it was taught. Yeah, exactly. Ahead. That's why I brought that up. I mean, if you, if you're just starting your walk and, you, and you're reading this and you don't, you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's so important. I mean, we've said it many times before. Your walk doesn't stop at salvation. Correct. It starts at salvation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we've we've got to get people off the milk onto the meat. But I think so many people out there don't know where to go mm-hmm. or how how to, how to go about that. And that's a kind of important thing to me. I'm, I just, I shouldn't have got off topic. Sorry about that. No, you're okay. And you know, it's, it's something that we're going to kind of look at the next few weeks, honestly, because it comes down to this next verse that I'm going to read. And then we'll, you know, we'll read, we'll, we'll close out chapter four and get into our final thoughts. But I think too often we look for explanations outside of the text mm-hmm. rather than looking in the text itself. And, you know, whether we like it or not, God gave us commandments. He did. He gave us a standard. He he gave us a way to live and a way to to be holy as he defines holiness. But too often we don't like what we find there, so we try to find commentaries outside of the text to explain away what he tells us. And I yeah. think first and foremost is just seek out what the Father says, how he defines right and wrong, and apply that and believe the Father first. If 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 you come to a commentary or a teaching that disagrees with what the Father clearly says, believe the Father first. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And that's where your faith has to start, right? Because as verse 12 says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you who judge your neighbor? One lawgiver. Yeah. Right, we're going to get into to, to what that means and, and how we apply that, but that's a very important thing James says there. Yes. Moses is not our lawgiver. No. I hear that preached so a, often. He was a conduit. He, the law was given through him. Yes. The reason it's called the law of Moses is because Moses was the one God chose to give the law through. Moses didn't write and invent it. And too often we frame it like Moses is a lawgiver as if he invented it out of his own mind. No, he did not. He did not. He went up on Sinai for weeks so that he could receive the 10 commandments and be explained how to apply those commandments to our lives. That came directly from the most high. And, you know, we'll see as we move forward in this series, I believe it, I believe it was Jesus there. I, I believe he was on Mount Sinai with him. I, I fully believe that. 
And I'll explain that why using the biblical text as we go forward. But, you know, you know, ultimately everything comes from the father. Yes. Right. I'm not saying that, that it came not from the father. It came from the father, but I believe that Jesus is the visible image of, of yes. the invisible God, the yes. invisible father. Yes. So I believe they, they work together as they always have throughout creation. But he is our lawgiver. The most high is our lawgiver. Nobody else, no human is. So what does our lawgiver say? We, you know, we've got to, we've got to agree with him first and foremost above every, everyone and everything else. And I think that's what James is telling us here. We let our pleasure and we let our flesh disagree with the father. I mean, it always leads to bitterness and jealous ambition. Bitter, the bitter root. The bitter root. I think we'll actually stop there because we've, it's been a good discussion. So let's, Pull the needle off the record. Final thoughts. I'll start with you, Sonny. Everybody looks at me. Yeah. <laughs> I gauge the room and it all track your way. Um, final thought. I mean, contentment. I think the biggest thing is, is that, um, being content where you're at, being just okay with what's going on understanding that God's got control, understanding that he knows best. He knows the way. And there's no, if he's got you in a hole, that's where you're supposed to be. If he's got you up on the top of a mountain, that's where you're supposed to be. And, you know, there's different times of, of life that we're not going to understand. We're not going to know. And, you know, it won't be revealed until he decides so. And if that time is now for anybody out there, you know, them, them rough times suck. I mean, <laughs> yes, they just, do. just put it, put it bluntly, you know, and, uh, but just know that he's got your back. He's there for you. And like, you know, kind of just a little hip, off of what you were saying, you know, um, get yourself into a Bible study, get yourself into, yeah. uh, atmosphere to where you have people that are more knowledgeable about the Bible or scriptures or Jesus or God or whatever you think it is, or you understand, get somebody that's a, more knowledgeable than you are. Surround yourself with those people and, uh, you know, be able to bounce your ideas off of them, your questions, your concerns, your um, just everything that you kind of feel like you need to understand. You know, um, you know, there's there's sometimes scriptures are hit me right in the face and then there's sometimes they don't hit me for weeks. And then there's sometimes it's just like, you know you threw one at me a couple of weeks ago that was just like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. But um, <clears throat> this, I I really like this one. And even though it kind of last night kind of really convicted me of some things and I was feeling kind of weird about it, you know, this turned out to be probably one of my favorites so far. <laughs> you know what that's telling you though? That awesome. you feel that, that he is taking such a keen interest in your life yeah. and and where you're at in relation to your to your relationship with him yes like that should be so humbling yeah. that the most high 
his eyes are, are looking at a planet with billions of people. Yeah. And he chooses to take that much active interest in you. Yeah. yeah. That's powerful. It is. If that doesn't tell you that you're loved, nothing will. Mm-hmm. Amen. That, that's my final thought. Excellent. You know, a friend of mine says that God doesn't qualify. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Yeah. I think it's important for us to realize that truth. And there's always going to be this internal struggle between the flesh and the, and the spirit. And sometimes it's a daily thing. Sometimes it's a moment by moment thing that we battle and we'll give into our flesh. And I think the key to all this in contentment and the key to understanding what contentment really means is the final verses that we just read. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble ourselves in the sight of God and let him build us up because he will build us up. He promises in Proverbs to give us the desires of our heart. He doesn't want us just kind of lonely and poor and, you know, needy. He promises to give us the desires of our heart as long as those desires align with him, as long as those desires align with the Father. And so sometimes we're going to win the battle and sometimes we're going to lose the battle. But when we lose, we dust ourselves off, we brush ourselves off, we go to him like we just read. We humbly go to him and we repent and we take the forgiveness that he's provided for us and we move on. Get we back don't, into the yeah, fight. Yeah, we don't beat ourselves up over it. We, we continue to move on and Keep press forward. forward. Yes, press forward to what he's called us to do. Well, I never like to follow Carl on Final Thoughts, so I'll go next. <laughs> <clears throat> it's his podcast, so I know, he goes but, last. <laughs> oh, well, good. <laughs> I, think, I think what this highlights for me, and it may for some of you out there, that being content and being thankful for where you are at the moment is where you need to be. Mm-hmm. That's for me is what it speaks. And to love your brother, not judge your brother and just move forward with your walk, your personal relationship with our Lord and Savior. That's where you need to be. And that's my final thought. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, this, this conversation didn't go the way I had planned but I think it went exactly the way it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, my final thought is going to be sort of a, a teaser for what we're going to get into next week. What I had planned on originally getting, getting into this week, we're going to start a new series called The Lawgiver. And we're going to get into what we had talked about. Our anchor text is going to be that, that final verse we read from James there. You have one lawgiver and one judge. Your wife recently said, Micah, and I, I saw it repeated in a devotion the same week, we, we want Jesus as our Savior, but too often we don't want him as our Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really the underlying issue, you know, with contentment as well. And when it comes to his standard, we want all the blessings. Yeah. We want the eternal blessings, but we, we don't really like the, the expectations too much. But it's a package deal. Yes. If he's your Savior, he's got to be the Lord of your life too. Yes. So it comes down to what hitching post are we going to tie ourselves to, Mm. right? Are we going to let ourselves be tied to his hitching post or are we going to let ourselves be tied to something that ain't good? I read a a story recently and I think it's fitting. And it said that that a a horse owner had a horse tied to a, tied to a post and the neighbor came over and, or I'm sorry, the devil came and untied the horse. 
Okay. The horse goes to the neighbor, to the, to the farmer next door, and he eats his crops. The farmer gets mad and shoots the horse. Well, the horse owner gets mad that the farmer shot his horse, so he shoots the farmer. Well, the farmer's wife gets mad that the neighbor shot her husband, so she shoots the horse owner. The horse owner's son gets mad that she shot his dad, so he shoots her. And finally, somebody just stops the cycle of violence and comes to God and says, why? Why did you let the devil bring so much chaos into our life? Look at everything that happened. And the devil steps forward and says, what did I do? All I did was untie the horse. That's right. Very often, if we're being honest, and especially when we identify what James is talking about here, what the devil actually does to lead us astray is very, very small. Yes. It's a very small, minor thing. Often it's just a whisper. Everything that follows is on us. We let our flesh nature take over. We let that bitter jealousy and envy rule in our heart. We make that choice. Yes. We choose not to humble ourselves before the the presence of the most high and confess that sin before it gets out of control. And if we would just allow ourselves to be hitched to his hitching post, to be tied to his hitching post, we could avoid so much trouble. Uh, before I close that, I'm going to read something and this will be a, this will be a segue into next week on, on, on what I'm really wanting to dive into. And it'll be, there'll be some tough topics, right? I'm going to handle them with love, but I think it's important also. And it's from Isaiah chapter 24. And the context of this is in the final days. So it's future context, which means this is a new covenant context. And anything future is new covenant. We're in the new covenant now. So if it hasn't happened yet, guess what context is in? New covenant context. And this is what he says. Behold, Yahweh lays the earth waste, devastates it, distorts its surface and scatters its inhabitants. He does it. Not the devil. Yahweh does this. And the people will be like the priest, the servant like his master, the maid like her mistress, the buyer like the seller, the lender like the borrower, the creditor like the debtor. Level playing field. The earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled, for Yahweh has spoken this word. The earth mourns and withers. The world fades and withers. The exalted of the people of the earth fade away. The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants, everyone. He's talking about everyone, Jew and Gentile, not just Jews. This is important, the context, everyone. For they transgressed laws, violated statutes, and broke the everlasting covenant. He brings desolations upon the world, the whole world, everyone, because not just the Jews violated the law and the statutes, because the whole world did. And the word laws there is the Hebrew Torah. His standard is for all of us. It's not for one people group and everybody else gets a pass to behave any way they want. His standard is for all of us. And he is holy. And his anger is real. <laughs> and when we willingly make ourselves an enemy of, of God, like James says, when we willingly make ourselves his enemy because we're so in love with the things of the world that we hate the things of God, there are consequences. And we need to... We need, we need to take those consequences seriously. He loves us. He is our Savior. But He's also our Lord. And we need to accept Him as both. And that's my final thought. And that's More why to come next week. That's why I don't follow Carl. <laughs> <laughs>
To those of you listening, thank you for including us in your day. We pray that this has been a blessing to you. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, be sure and reach out to us. You can find us on Facebook at our group, Broken Record Ministries, or you can email us at brokenrecordministries at gmail.com. Again, this has been Digging Deeper, a Bible study series brought to you by Broken Record Ministries, and we will catch you on the flip side. Shalom.